0: This episode of the Yang Gang Roundtable was recorded on April 18th. It is the first of two recording sessions we had that day, and it is an open discussion on poverty, basic income, and electoral politics.
1: Um, Trump seemed to double down on it during last night's White House uh, Coronavirus Task Force briefing when asked about how critics such as Washington Governor, governor Jay Inslee said he was a... What he was form, uh, rebellion with, huh, you know, which I think it all kind of plays into the issue with, um, uh, does Trump want these governors to handle this situation or not? Um, you know, this, and I say sometimes, you know, the governor should, should have done more repair. The governor should be doing now and not relying on the federal government. And, uh, and then he's <laughs> basically talking shit on these governors for actually, you know, implementing their own orders.
0: Yeah, because I just turned the recorder on in the middle of a conversation. We're talking about the uh, protests that have erupted over the past, I guess, two or three days that I've just been made aware of. Um, Protests of people who want to, quote unquote, open the economy.
1: The uh, the one in Michigan, um, I think it was called something along the lines of Operation Shut Down Lansing. Uh, Let's see if I can find some information on that.
0: So so wait, it sounds like it's in favor of shutting down Lansing, but...
1: Well, they wanted to shut down um, <laughs> the whole the whole uh, city. So in yeah.
0: yeah, so I'm confused. Is this protest is in favor of shutting down the city or against?
1: Uh, but what they wanted to do was actually block traffic. Um, yeah, Operation Gridlock. Uh, but is this, because,
0: is this because they wanted to open the economy, or because they uh, wanted to close? Uh, the economy? Because uh, because
1: they wanted to open. Uh, okay. So there why is
0: it called, the name of it just suggests otherwise, what so you said? It was, uh, uh, I, was it Operation right? Shutdown Lansing or something? <laughs> you're that, right, doesn't sound, a... that doesn't track. Right? Operation Gridlock? Okay. All right, that's different. Protest against the stay-at-home order. Correct. So so they're, you're blocking traffic to protest the stay-at-home order? But just That's just impeding economic activity further, isn't it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess that's the point. You know, it's I, a, I
0: guess, that's... I guess, I guess, if you ask them, the only argument they could make is like, "Well, the ends justify the means," but that's pretty stupid right. in this case.
1: Yeah, I think, like, I, think. I agree with you, but I think, what, what the other, uh, what other option do you have in, in terms of a protest right now?
0: Well, I think a protest isn't the appropriate way to convey their dissatisfaction with with, with this particular thing.
2: I'm not so sure that they're really protesting over. Economic angst. What because, do you think
0: they're protesting? Uh,
2: well, I mean, come on. How many of those people, okay, have been fighting for UBI and you know a better safety net? In the this
0: people country? who are protesting to open the economy, I, I would wager very few of them.
2: Exactly my point.
1: Yeah, these are all Trump so- support people. This is yeah. a yeah. These, these are all. Are all types.
2: These are all. I've got mine. Fuck you, people.
0: That's the the culture, more or less.
1: Yeah, but I mean, if you see some of these uh, these images and some of the videos, it's it's astonishing. Uh, there I should Post this real quick. Like, look at all these fucking cars. That's insane.
2: Wow. Yeah,
1: absolutely insane. So, but it's not just uh, vehicular protest either. Like the uh, yeah, I think you guys may have seen the the fight for fifteen. Um, these fast food protests that have been going on. You know, how how they use their vehicles and uh, that. Um, but this is not just uh, a vehicular thing either. Uh, there's look all at past-
3: some,
2: Look at some of these trucks and SUVs. Do you realize that those cost more than my house on the poor side of a poor Rust Belt town, sandwiched between the ass end of Appalachia and the Midwest? Do you all <laughs> realize that these aren't these aren't poor, economically stressed people?
1: Oh fuck no, I don't think they're pretending to be either.
2: It's, also, no, pur- no. I mean, who are who are they purporting to be? They're
0: just douchebags. I mean, I don't think they'd self-identify that way, Ariel. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you went up to them, you like. So, how do you see yourselves? Oh, we're douchebags. That's why we want to open the economy. <laughs> no, they must. There, there's a way to to tell their story in a way that is sympathetic to them, and that's the way they would tell it. I was just curious. Well, I'd like to know well, how they see themselves. I well, guess economic I, heroes. People I mean, saving the economy.
4: Of... Look, like here, here's something that some people who, like, have uh, jobs that they can stand or that they enjoy feel. Um, uh, there, there's a lot of, like, a lot of people even before this crisis were um, involuntarily unemployed. And the ones who are involuntarily unemployed, sometimes um, the douchebags like to judge them as, like, lazy or, you know, not wanting to work and not deserving of money. Now that this virus has made them involuntarily unemployed, they're losing their minds. Because, like, for a lot of uh, involuntarily unemployed people, we've learned uh how to cope with it and strategize and make use of our day and like look for other kinds of like ideas to maybe like self-actualize or kind of like make good on our time. But they- they're not resourceful or creative enough to do those things. So all they self-identify with is their jobs and their way of making an income. So when when you're like that, yeah, you're going to do stuff like that, and you're yeah. going to stay like, yeah,
0: yeah. I think, do you think you make a pretty, a pretty good case? I think that's pretty reasonable. I think that would probably accurately describe a good number of those people. I would hope, rather than uh, being inherently uncreative or uh, unflexible, it's more a matter of something they're going to get used to and adapt to. But I think, I think that's a good starting place for understanding where they're coming from.
4: All right. Because it's like, of course, like a lot of people who are involuntarily unemployed want to work too. And, but, but they, but they know like, you know, there's a limit or they know like, like, you know, but, but these people like can't understand it. They're like, oh no, but like, people, like they, they think that everyone who's out of work yeah. is out of work through choice. But now that they're out of work and it's not by choice, they're, you know, you know, they're short circuiting. And they don't know how to cope with that. Yeah, I,
0: I, I hear you. I mean, I think there's a lot of truth to that. But I think what's important to keep in mind is that these people, even if they are one rung above poverty on the economic level, ladder, even if they're two rungs above, you know, even if they're middle class, um, they're not the people with the real power. So they're really right, not no. the people we should be blaming. These are the people we should be recruiting because once they realize exactly. what's going on, they're going to be interested in joining our side even though they're right now they see us as enemies we've got to cut through that and figure out how to work it out with them
2: shale i'm gonna interject right there because you know this is something i'm really sick and tired of hearing from people i don't care if they're not really the ones at the top okay if you're oppressing the poorest and most vulnerable who can't even fend for themselves at all okay they do not deserve to get let off the freaking hook
0: Okay, well, what they what don't. do you think you'd I'm happen? I'm
2: sorry, to them? no. What hooker? Well, what should happen to them? Well, I mean, I'm just sick and tired of them always getting a free pass. You know, well,
0: nobody what ever does it has mean any. To get a free pass. I mean, what am I? What I should has, you be saying instead? They've made a mistake. They're wrong. I, 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 is that a free pass? I,
2: I think they ought to be challenged. Yeah. I think they ought to be challenged instead of coddled.
0: I think we're challenging. I don't think we're coddling them. Like, we're going to do it in a way that makes them lot defensive, makes them, like, reflexive, reflective instead. You know, that's the idea. we the gotta only got challenge, challenge them smart.
2: The only way people like that are ever going to grow an empathy chip is when it's their turn to get sick or get slapped with some it major turn now. life-altering shit sandwich, and they get to lose everything, and at an age... Where they don't have a chance to reenter the workforce because of age discrimination and disability discrimination, and they lose everything, and it happens to them, and they can see how wonderful and what a dope life us poor losers that never got a chance to even make it up to the lowest rung of middle class have had to contend with our whole fucking lives.
0: That's right, and now it's happening to some of them. And And I'm saying, you know what? I have difficulty having
2: sympathy for them. Because you know what, it's
0: not about being like a bleeding heart. It's about being practical and tactical, and we need. I feel
2: sorry for people who have suffered and died because they were unable to fend for themselves, and selfish nitwits like these are largely to blame for it. Because I'm going to tell you a few truths about this country and about the majority of people in it. And this may not be a convenient truth or a comfortable truth, but it is nonetheless the truth. So buckle up and give me about 2.5 seconds, because I'm going to share something with y'all that y'all need to know. This is a country full of people who gave zero fucks about 6 million of the poorest of the poor, who have no incomes at all other than food stamps, if they're lucky to even get that who could not buy groceries if they were under quarantine because Instacart and other grocery delivery services will not accept food stamps. This is a country full of people who gave zero fucks about immune compromised people, disabled people elderly people, and extremely poor people who don't have cars that couldn't get to the stores to buy food or anything as they they rolled up in their SUVs and 4 by 4 trucks that cost more than my house and loaded up with all the toilet paper in all the stores and then proceeded to clean out all the food and then bought guns and ammo at the sporting goods section in Walmarts. This is a country full of people who feel entitled to decide Who deserves to survive and who does not? Who deserves a corona relief check and who does not? While they get theirs without any concern or care at all, for the least among us. This is a country full of evil, selfish, inconsiderate people who criminalize the poorest and least abled of the poor and then decided to solve homelessness by installing spikes in doorways and other areas next to buildings to prevent destitute, unemployable homeless people from being able to sleep anywhere at all, after, of course, making it illegal for them to sleep on park benches or rest in the parks, the public space. This is a country full of cruel, selfish, shitty people who demanded zoning ordinances that forced soup kitchens that used to feed the poor and the homeless to shut down Because the sight of poor homeless people might make their precious property values go down. This is a country full of able-bodied, healthy, employable, and lucky to be employable or employed people who scream at the poor that are reduced to having to beg just to be able to survive that we should just get a job as if we hadn't tried our asses off to get jobs, only to not get a chance for anything before losing everything, you know, like our cars or even our homes, so that we can't get jobs, or before becoming too old for any employer to want to hire, or too ill, or too disabled, and, you know, therefore useless as non-productive humans. This is a country full of shitty people who feel that the only citizens deserving of the most basic human rights to survive are those of current use to the employers and the rentier class. And lastly, this this is what defines America. America was never great. And for many of us who are members of discriminated, oppressed, and marginalized groups, especially those of us from generational poverty, America was never even any fucking good. It's always been a society full of cruel, shitty, selfish people. Okay? And I'm going to tell you something. This is a country that arrests volunteers who share food with the homeless and destitute. My friend Keith McHenry, founder of Food Not Bombs, was arrested several times for this because society's middle cl- middle, and working classes would rather the poor starve and suffer horribly and die than get any help at all. This is a, com- a country that decided that it would be better instead of having a safety net as shitty and s- stingy and paltry and paternalistic as welfare was in its heyday, this is a country that decided it would be better that its poorest and least-abled, least-empowered women and underage girls be trafficked into prostitution than given a paltry safety net that was never enough to survive on, even when benefit levels were at their most generous. And this is a country that then criminalized and stigmatized those same victims of human trafficking for life so that we'd never be able to get jobs or a place to live. This is a country full of people who are quite content to see tens of thousands of poor Americans die or suffer preventable disabilities and death due to lack of access to health care. America is a shitty country with shitty leaders and shitty lawmakers that were elected and financially supported by shitty people. And that's the truth. And I'm sorry for okay, the
0: Three things. One, pretty much that's true. Two, we've covered that many times. We already all agree on it. I don't know why you wanted to go over it again. Three, it's not specifically relevant to what I'm talking about.
2: It does not invalidate what I'm talking about. It's not actually what I'm talking about. It is relevant, it is relevant because you're trying to say that these people in SUVs and, and freaking 4 by 4 trucks that are almost as big and cost more than my house um are somehow not deliberately acting out of malice i didn't say that well that's what you implied
0: no it's not
2: so before you tell me that what i have to say is relevant, you better step acting. back and think.
0: you are confused about what i'm implying if there's a culture of malice i'm saying how can we address it without being angry it's not productive to be angry at them we have to figure uh, out what to do no. but 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 just pure rage isn't productive we got to figure out yeah there's a culture of malice there's a culture of malice, there's a culture of spite. And in fact, I think I said explicitly, yeah, the culture is pretty much, uh, I've got mine, fuck you. I agreed explicitly when Ariel said that. And I think you were here. So I don't know why you think I'm not. I'm mm. not of that mindset, but we need to be practical, tactical, and think about mm. what to do, not just get angry to no end.
2: Well, mm-hmm. you know what? I don't see how holding hands with them or wanting to hold hands with them and sing Kumbaya well, is going to <laughs> fix it.
4: That's
0: a straw man, and that's not what anyone's yeah. suggesting.
4: Yeah. No, no, no. It's as like I understand how mad and frustrated you are, Jacqueline, and that you know, I feel I'm like,
0: very ang- I'm angry yeah. all the time. I just deal with yeah. it differently.
4: Right. So the thing is is that they're 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 feeling some pressure now and hopefully it's like shattering their illusion and we like, it's like, okay, like you you don't, you don't feel happy, right. That you can't work and nothing seems to be working out for you. Well, guess what? You've been ignoring the people who have felt like this for years and years and years.
2: Welcome to my shoes.
4: Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I didn't go into debt for a degree while homeless and eating from garbage cans and then spend six years of my life struggling and going into debt for equipment to try to learn how to code while not even having, you know, utilities half the time, you know, just to end up not being able to get a chance for a job.
4: Right. Yeah. And and that's all valid, Jacqueline. Every single thing that you said is valid. And that's the kind of thing you they they should be. A... Sick
2: and tired of privileged people silencing the voices right.
4: of people. Well, like. well, guess what, Jacqueline? Guess what? They're not privileged anymore. And now there, a lot of people are going to be in the same situations as we, as a lot of other people have been dealing with in this country in their whole lives. And now is the time to say, like, hey, like you're you're feeling this pressure and this anger and this frustration now, but you have been ignoring the same thing that you are feeling when it happened to other people for so many years. So how does it feel to be in their shoes knowing that you, instead of trying to help them out, you've been hurting them even more than they already are hurt. Now with this pandemic going on, that is a mess. Yeah. I
2: don't know if they really are, have been knocked down a peg or two off the privilege ladder here um, I'm not convinced that they are not a well-financed group being put up by people who are very wealthy and very powerful, who have an agenda to oppose everything that Humanity Forward and Andrew Yang mm-hmm. and most people in Yang Gang and the UBI movement stand well, for.
4: Yeah, that's that's right, too, Jacqueline. But we'll only know if that's the case if we open up a line of communication. And really see if that is the case. Okay. You know, right? Okay. All right. Cool, cool. Yeah. Okay,
2: I'll concede you have a point. But I'm just saying that yeah. this is my first day at the rodeo. Um, and, you know, I've suffered through a hell, and and I a, lot, a hell of a lot longer than most people have even been alive in this room right now. And I'm just telling you, don't be surprised if what I'm telling you proves out to be right. Don't be be surprised. I'm just saying.
0: What what you're telling us doesn't make sense. You're saying that I want something I don't want. You're saying that I'm asserting something I'm not asserting. So I don't know how it could turn out to be right.
2: I'm just... No, that's not what I'm saying at all. What I am saying, Shale, is that you're trying to paint these people in uh, a light that's a lot more innocent than what I think and believe they really are. I'm saying they're
0: not the people... With the power, they're not the people making the laws that actually oppress us. They're not the people owning the companies. No, they're people, be, who, uh, people are who are members of the kingmaker
2: protest. class who elected them.
0: Some some people of the protests maybe.
4: Um,
2: they are members may, of the middle be. class, the kingmaker class who elected those people.
4: But 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 they're but now I think their illusions are being shattered.
2: I don't know. I'm I'm wait, skeptical. Wait. Uh, guys, I'm skeptical. Okay. Yeah,
0: yeah, sure, sure. Just, I'm but very skeptical. Please, please don't put words in my mouth, Jacqueline. It's really not
4: okay. But but uh, but uh Well, but you know it, what? You know it's, know it's not just...
2: okay for you to yell at me and silence me and jump on me and insult me and belittle me and tell me that what I had to say doesn't matter or isn't germane to the goddamn topic.
0: It wasn't relevant to what I was saying, and I didn't belittle or yell at you. You have been yelling.
2: Yes, you mm-hmm. did.
0: What? To, how okay. did I belittle and yell at you?
2: I'll tell you what. You listen to it when you replay it.
0: No, I want you to tell me. If you have an accusation, you should be able to explain it.
5: they're trying to, you know, figure out solutions.
2: Yeah. Not all problems have solutions. They even teach you that in math. Right, In the advanced... Okay,
0: well, don't turn on me just because you don't agree with me. We're on the same
2: I'm not turning on you, Shale, but I'm a little just angry because I felt like you were you know, trying to silence me, and you were yelling at me, and I didn't like it, and I didn't like your tone. I didn't appreciate it. Okay. Okay. We're all friends here.
4: Yes, we were all
2: friends. I, yes, I we
0: friends yelling at you and you I you know, don't know what, what would speak. be wrong with my tone. I don't okay. think that I had an inappropriate tone.
2: Yeah, so. you weren't on the receiving end of it, but that's okay.
4: So, so the, so like, the, the good... Like the silver lining in this cloud is that what if we open up lines of communication and we can actually you know talk talk about involuntarily unemployment like in the in the way that now they'll understand and then like it'll it'll it kind of say like hey maybe these these people that we've been looking down on and like. Marginalizing and hating for no reason, you know, because because I uh, like uh, I used used to be conservative. I used to think that too. that, like, oh, some of these poor people, it's like they they just don't want to, you know, improve their life and and their their content. It's like it's 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 like, you know, this place has opportunities. They're not taking advantage of them until I found out that that was a lie that I've been lied to by the propaganda machine in the media by like, you know, and and a lot of times like our stupid education system tells us this myth. They say, Oh, these people are just on the streets and they, they have nothing because they didn't get good grades and they didn't graduate from university. Well, you, we all graduated from university and right. And it's like, it's like, Hey, like, Fuckhead! it. <laughs> I'm getting mad, but it's like, like, I, I want to go back to some of my teachers and smack them across the face for saying something like that, making me feel no empathy toward another human being, because these these idiots told me that they're in these bad situations is because they neglected their education. Well, then, asshole,
2: I've been fighting to try to get the truth out about poverty, and right. who chances for jobs and who does not. Right, the better part of twenty years, and that's right. why I got a little testy today. So yeah. I apologize, yeah. Ariel, if I bit your head off. I, you know, I try no, not. To there's, a bit, there's
4: nothing to apologize for, Jack. But
2: you know, it's it's yeah. like I've been trying to get the truth yeah. out, and the thanks I got for my trouble was told. That, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm just a loser who's jealous of other success and I didn't try hard enough in my life. When I go into Erie Times News with an entire milk crate full of hard copy data, actual documents proving Mm. that there were deaths from poverty due to utility shutoffs after all the utilities were deregulated in my state. You know, and it's like, you know, uh, the the, the thanks I got for my trouble was, you know, sneered at and insulted and shut. And marginalized and put okay. down, and it's just un- I'm yeah. sorry.
4: Okay, they're, yeah. they're pieces of crap. We we get that. So so we're we're on your team. We're on your yeah. side. I
2: know. I know. We're, and we're I'm just... sorry. you know. I apologize if I came off a bit sharp. <laughs> I, I really I used to be worse when I was younger. It's
4: Believe okay. It's not. okay. Don't don't yeah. worry about it. But but we're, Jacqueline, we'll let, we know like, this is we a sensitive for spot for you.
3: So we, the thing is, you're trying to change a belief with logic. Yeah. And beliefs and logic don't always intersect.
2: No, you're right. You're right. You're right. And Who's it's like a saying that I have in the here? middle of the word belief is lie. Who's trying to change what belief? What's going on here?
3: Okay, so the discussion that Jacqueline's having, and I think this is where there's some confusion. So the, Jacqueline's saying, these people for the longest time have this ingrained belief that you know, you just, that people just need to work harder poor people have not been working enough now they're having their whole world shattered because they're not able to work they're not able to do all these things and they're like well i need help now and it's like well welcome to the rest of our world all of us have that have needed help and not gotten it it's not due to lack of trying it's due to lack of opportunity
2: i don't welcome even know to that well, existence you know- I don't even know what the, you know, looking at these photographs that were posted in the chat of these protests for reopening the economy and looking at these people. Okay, I don't see anybody who's missing teeth. I don't see anybody whose clothes are full of holes. I don't see anybody who, um, you know, I see vehicles that cost more than my fucking house that's falling apart around me that has no heat, no hot water. Okay, and I'm thinking to myself, these are people that are probably collecting an unemployment check and who got a Corona relief check, which means they got in one week more than my husband and I have to survive on for a whole month. And by the way, we didn't get our Corona relief checks yet, and I don't believe we, I don't think we ever will. I'll believe it when I see it. But these are people that look like to me, it just looks like, and this is my life experience coming to the fore. And granted, I'll admit it comes with the bias from having been at the very bottom and seeing how people are in this country for a long, 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 long time. But what I'm seeing is people that look like they may be paid by a very well healed powerful contingency that does not want uh, a better life for everybody, that does not want a country and an economy that works for everybody. They just, you know... Me, 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 Not mine, I mean, fuck
0: you. Paid? Do you think they're all paid? Or do you think 50% are paid? 25%? What do you think?
2: I, I think the majority of them, I think their protest was financed. And if I'm wrong, I'll be more than happy to apologize profusely and publicly.
0: That's not something you have to apologize for. That's if you're making an, a, you know, a wrong guess, that's okay. If you, it's an educated guess, it's fine. Or just.
2: Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's, it's, it's not, you know, just an entire life of experiencing this society in its shit-stained underwear instead of its fancy lecture suit. It's an entire life history of observing how things like this have played out before. And, you know, I'm I'm just saying, my educated guests, by looking at these people, at their clothing, at their mouths, at everything about them, you know, I'm looking, who's missing teeth? Who's got clothing that's more than ten years old and full of holes? Oh shit! These are people that are driving vehicles that cost more than my house. Hum. And these are people that, by the way, got unemployment checks and Corona checks, whereas my husband and I, who are way below poverty, never even got one Corona check between the two of us yet. And I, you know, and I'm thinking, yeah, where are they getting the money to come out in droves like this and and stuff to protest? Okay. This tells me that this, the, all the, that stuff adds up. That when you add up all these pebbles on a pile, pretty soon you get the entire fucking Andes mountain range of pebbles, and it starts to look like, hmm, yeah, financed by well-heeled interests that uh, oppose everything that Shale believes in, that you believe in, that Ariel wants, that Jeremy wants, that, you know, Scott Stanton stands for, you know. It just it's it's just all those pebbles on a pile add up, and I am sorry. Okay, so Uh, if
0: let's assume some let's assume like fifty percent of them are financed, fifty percent of them are middle class people who have the wrong idea about the economy and are opposed to our beliefs. How can we get both camps, both the people who are paid and people who are not, to our side? What can we do? to convince them. And if it takes like the pain trickling to them, how can we make the pain trickle to them? Hopefully it doesn't. If it doesn't take the pain trickling to them, how can we convince them that it would be in their interest and the interest of other people right. that they're well, aligned with? You,
4: you got to be
0: pro UBI and to stop that, wanting to open the economy. Uh, like also do we gotta,
4: how do we reach these people? Uh, the, the These are people who, who think the way they think because they, they've been highly propagandized also And, uh, it, it's like a fish in water because, because, um, all their life, they've been hearing the same stupid message about like hard work, hard work, hard work, hard work, you know, you know, pounded into their brains And, um, uh, when, when they're like, oh, well then it's their fault because now that I don't have work to do, I can't do it hard. So they're stopping me from doing that hard work. So I can't be a good little slave and I have to protest again. It's so it's, that's amazing. That's like, like, um, Pharaoh, uh, shutting down his, uh, pyramid operation and the Israelites Protesting about oh, not slave
2: jobs, yeah, right, so right. Do so Ariel,
0: imagine if that were you. What would be a life you could have lived that would make you think that way instead of the way you do today?
4: If 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 I was an Israelite, protesting. you know, you're a
0: creative guy. Like, what kind of changes could have happened in your life that could have led you to be one of those people out there going, "Open the economy," at the protest, instead of instead of here right. saying, "We need money." The world doesn't work right.
4: Right. Exactly. Well, well, the thing is, is that maybe maybe it's like, I don't know, like if, if I worked, you know, some job, some cushy job that was boring and didn't require me to use one iota of uh, creativity or yeah, intelligence, that's you know, right and that's right. So maybe
0: we could get to you by that, be like, "Hey, how much do you really love your job, buddy? Be honest with me. Is it? Is it like how much is it a something you tell people because you want people to think you love your job? You can be open. We don't. We don't like. No one's ever liked their jobs, and we're all just coming out to each other about it now. Maybe you can join in on that. You know, maybe that's a thing we can work with these people. Yes,
4: yes, exactly. Yeah, and especially the ones who have college degrees and jobs that you could have gotten for being a high school dropout." Like why why would you want that back? But no no. But but the the thing that they're 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 pro they're protesting is because like the the of course the money that they're getting now is less than the money they got when they were working. But it's like the thing the thing is is like why like why is that the case? And it's 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 like what why why do we live in an economy where where like like you're you're living like a robot. It it'll it'll take some time because like I mean like I'm not going to mention his name, my father, I I see him like that because he 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 actually sent me one of those stupid conspiracy videos about like, oh, like maybe they're not telling the truth about this virus and it's not as bad, but he but t- tell you the truth like his 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 life was like a uh, like an autopilot life, you know, it's like he was a jeweler in downtown, you know, go to work, um, to stand there saying, can I help you? Can I help you to like 100 people? Maybe like one person buys on that day if you're lucky, and then go home and watch Netflix and sleep and rinse and repeat. And when, when I, when I was there with him at the jewelry store, I, the only thing I could remember was being bored out of my fucking brain. Like not, I couldn't stand it. It was like, it was so boring and lifeless and like, and, and then maybe if you're lucky, you got someone who wanted to buy something, but then, and then the cycle would just repeat itself over and over again. And I'm like, I I can't, I can never stand living a life like this, just so repetitive and boring and nothing is ever like out of the ordinary or interesting. and and you're just stuck to this thing because if you don't do it, then you're threatening your survival? What kind of bullshit is that? (laughs) I also want to throw some psychology into this.
3: So, you know, our society has been trained to tie our worth to our job titles. You know, there are some people that are embarrassed to say, hey, I work at Walmart, whereas there are other people that, oh, you're, you work in the banking industry, or you're, you have some you know, made-up title, I'm a financial advisor, I am a um, health wellness advisor, you know, throw in some impressive-sounding title here. So, that's the other thing, is they've spent so much of their lives being trained to to tie their self-worth to a job title that they don't know who they are or what to do with their
4: time anymore when they don't have that title. You know what I mean? yeah it's that 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 article about workism that, that I that I uh, did. And why is that? Because our stupid um, culture in, in our not not only in our media and our politics, but in our schools, our schools, they're the worst offenders. They're the worst offenders. Tie your worth to first when when you're young, tie your worth to your grades and then when you're older, tie your worth to your career. And nothing else matters.
2: And what and- kind of a message does that send to children and youth with learning disabilities or intellectual disabilities who, no matter how hard they try, they can't just try harder their way into a higher IQ
4: Right. Yeah. Well, brain. well, well, yeah, yeah. Like you, you know what I hate from hearing. It's it's like, oh, our our schools, the the you know, they're educate you. Like you don't have to pay for public school, and and your children, and you don't have to pay you to send your children there. So they're such benevolent places with such benevolent people. No, no, that's stupid. It's 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 like first of all, like school doesn't give you a choice. To learn what you want to learn, to do what you want to do, to figure out who you are—it's just like, like here, test, test, get a good grade on this test, get a good grade on this test, or else your your life is meaningless and you won't get a good job, so you won't make that money. It's like, hey, Memorize hey, motherfucker, get out of here! It's 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 like it's, it's sick, sick, you know. And and uh, you know I, what I like to say is that I never had a learning disability; the school system had a teaching disability.
2: I I would go with that because, you know, if you look at the schools that actually have the most success in helping pupils achieve their fullest potential, look at the Montessori schools. Look at the Montessori schools.
4: You know, you know, I graduated from Beverly High and uh, walking past it and looking at it right now, it it looks like trash. Like, it is so aesthetically unappealing right now. They have all this construction going on and these gates and, like, mounds and mounds of, like, sand and rubble and, like, boarded up walls. It looks worse than a jail. It looks like, it looks like a jail that that's being repaired. I mean, like, and that's Beverly High.
2: <laughs> well, some schools actually are jails. I mean, you, you talk to kids from the south side of Chicago— and uh, it's th- when they talk about the prison, uh, the school to prison pipeline. The school experience for children from the South Side of Chicago is a sight different than what right. is out there in Beverly Hills. Let me tell you. I mean, it's it's like yeah. they are being prepared to have to answer to probation officers and and corrections officers later on. School to prison. That's been our solution to poverty. J- well, the prison system is like our biggest um, subsidized housing project in the country, and that's pretty pathetic.
3: Well, I would say it's preparing people for prison or the military because it's pretty much the, I wouldn't say the same, but it's a similar environment where you're used to just answering to someone and just putting your head down and following orders. Right. Yeah. Well, the problem is that our school system primed us for automation to take over because it's learn and regurgitate just right. be able to get information and copy it down exactly on a test and a
4: robot can do that easily ai can very rapidly so, learn how to do that so it's just my egypt analogy we've been paying into our own slavery this entire time without realizing it. well i realized it but nobody around me did now they are but the sooner we we uh you, you know what this is the silver lining in this virus cloud. The sooner like people realize that that Google is like a better teacher than these schools teaching you random shit and having you regurgitated on a stupid piece of paper that like like um um, um and we untie our worth to our our report cards and our paychecks. Once we untie our worth to those two really arbitrary crappy things. Things that have nothing to do with intrinsic worth and value, then people are really going to rethink, and we're going to see most of the ruling class losing so much of their grip on power. And I welcome that. I welcome that. And I would say that the ruling class doesn't, may not even realize
3: that they're losing that power. I mean, look at the conventional way of doing things. It's like the stock market is God to them. When they went and When this crisis started, they didn't stop and say, let's help the people. Let's say, we got to bail out the stock market. And then as soon as they did, they put in how many billions of dollars into the stock market and it went up and then right back down again. Because our economy is based on people. It is based entirely on people having money to buy the things that they want and need. But we're also told, be frugal with your money. Don't spend your money frivolously on things. Well, guess what? If you're spending money on things that you want, there is a market for it, and those businesses rely on those people going and buying that stuff. So, go figure. Well, if you discourage people from buying, yeah. it it keeps the economy stagnant.
4: Yeah, well, good concept, <laughs> right?
2: <Yeah. laughs> wow, right?
4: <laughs> right. The, the, and and that's why I think I think that 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 the Yang camp is going to come out of this so validated. It's like, like how stupid were we to not listen to Andrew is what the country is going to be telling themselves. If Well, I mean, if they've gone... Well, they're still stupid. They won't be telling themselves. I,
2: I'm skeptical that they will. I mean, I think that there's a lot of people that they just won't get it, so to speak, until reality hits them, you know... Oh hard as fuck right upside their snot locker and it's their turn to lose everything and be the recipient of just as much empathy and compassion and help as those who whom they previously held themselves as better than or above
3: and i feel like that's happening right now and because that's happening they have totally. such a mental attachment to that job title that position they don't know who they are right now. They are going through a existential crisis of existential you know, crisis. I'm stuck at home, I can't do anything, and you know I can talk to people, but I don't even know how to talk to people outside of the context of this is who I am, this is what I do to be able to start social interactions. So they don't know how to define their own self worth anymore. It's and pretty bad. That and that's why you you are seeing protests like this, that's why you're seeing panic like this, because people are losing their shit because they don't understand that their value is intrinsic. So, Guns and
2: toilet paper.
3: Yeah. And I could, I get the guns, because we've already seen this play out before with mass riots and panic. Especially among the people that were powerful, that lost it all, they start to Riot and panic. L.A. riots being a perfect example of that, where you had people from not exactly the middle class, but they weren't exactly dirt poor, um, you know, completely burning down the city. And the only places that managed to survive were the places that were, you know, where the owners were well-armed. So there is that fear coming back, and we've seen riots like this, you know, historically throughout history. So, I get the guns part, but the toilet paper? Well, you know... I, I mean, are they making masks out of the toilet paper? Does Corona suddenly have an upgrade where it's now making you, you know, have dysentery? What's going on? But here's I, don't know.
2: I don't know, but I have Crohn's disease, which means, in addition to being diabetic, I have Crohn's disease, which means I spend at least half of my waking life on the turlet, okay? And my husband and I go through just one of those packs of toilet paper that you get from Sam's Club, those big packs that have, like, I don't know, 24 or 48 rolls and I don't know how many rolls that, that come in. But it's a big pack. One big pack lasts us about six to seven months. You know? And it's like, I saw people, you know, hoarding ten of these things, shoving them in, in the back, in the beds of their 4 by 4s you know? And I'm thinking to myself... What the hell? I mean, you're you're worried about having a clean butt. What about having your morning coffee? I mean, that's my first thought. Is oh my god, I gotta have coffee and I gotta have cream for my coffee. You
3: know? <laughs> oh yeah, and you know that's the thing. Like I've seen on Facebook uh, where people have entire rooms rooms in their house full of toilet paper. I'm like, okay, uh, is there a black market for toilet paper or something? Holy shit. Also, it there uh, was one kind of created because uh, there was a law that was passed that says that you cannot um, sell toilet paper now. You either have to give it away or you're stuck with it. So, um, all those people that are stockpiling and hoarding, uh, they just lost out on all that money and their job. So, huh. you know, kind of a uh, that that's karma coming back to bite them in the maybe, ass because maybe now they
2: don't <laughs> two years ago right before the holidays my husband and i this is back when we still had our vehicle before we lost our vehicle uh to repossession while i was trying to still while i was still trying very hard to get a job before i gave up finally we had gone into walmart to do our normal grocery shopping for food they had a thing where they were giving away So many flat screen, big screen TVs for, I guess it was some, you know, the first number, I don't know how they figured it out, but they were having uh, a ridiculous fire sale on these TVs and they were giving other stuff away. And this was right after I I got diagnosed with diabetes, before they got my blood sugar under control, I lost 80% of my sight and was blind before being started on on Metformin. And I only recovered half of the eyesight that I lost since then. But you can't imagine how terrifying it was for me as a blind woman in the middle of a store full of people stampeding. I'm worried about my husband, who's a lot more physically frail than me, that we got separated because people were stampeding in the store for these stupid TV sets. You know, TV sets. Now, think about this, right? And we weren't there for any sales. We're poor people. We can't afford to celebrate Hanukkah or Christmas or anything. I can't even afford to buy a bottle of cheap wine to get shit-faced on Porum, okay? <laughs> and now that I'm diabetic, I probably can't have the wine anyway. But these people tra- were trampling everybody. And there were a couple of elderly people that, were, uh, that ended up having to get... Uh, uh, an ambulance had to come and take him out of the store I couldn't see I couldn't find my husband And I was crying And you know, here I am in a blur In a sea of blur And I have my hands out in front of me I don't have a white cane And I'm just trying to see to find my way You know By feeling my way literally with my hands and feet To the customer service desk To get a manager To page for my husband And to look for my husband Because I was so scared to death that some of these assholes had trampled him to death just to get a fucking television set. I mean, you can't imagine how that scary and terrifying that is. And, you know, when, you know, so this country, the, the culture of the society of this country has had issues that were very, very ugly for a very long time long long before covid long before there was a lockdown long before there were quarantines you know for some of us for many of us america was never great it wasn't even good
4: yeah well that's that's the um that's what we're zombified into through uh you know school Television, media, politics—is this the, um, um, consumerist zombification of our mental faculties through ads, through media, through all of that? I mean, I mean, did you see those Trump people um um outside of some you know Capitol building? They look like zombies. They're like like, but instead of brains, it's sales. You know? Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I I used to work at Walmart. And I'd
3: worked on Black Friday. I've seen what uh, consumerism does to people. It's a terrifying thing. And like I said, the messed up part about it is it's all built on a house of cards. It's all built on this, you know, my worth is tied to my job, how much stuff I have, how impressive that stuff is. You know, there are people that I've met that are embarrassed about the fact that you know, you walk into their house and the TV might, you know, be a decade old. Or they might have, you know, things that don't look as nice or as perfect. I'm like, you know, I've lived, you know, (laughs) I grew up poor. I've lived, you know, a life that is not privileged. And to me, these things mean nothing. I'm like, the fact that you just have the basic needs that you need to survive is a good thing. You should be happy about that. I'm not here to see what's impressive in your house. I'm here to see a friend, you know?
2: Yeah, it's like the people that post on social media the pictures of their, you know, high-end sports cars, like, look at me, and I'm thinking, I don't want to look at you. I'm looking at a picture of your $100,000 car that I give exactly zero fucks about, you know? And I think a lot of this Consumerism and what Ariel calls workism, and I think Ariel wrote a very good piece on this, has to do with a lot of what drove the, the, the so-called real progressives group with Steve Grumbine into opposing UBI and insisting on a jobs guarantee only, despite the fact that people with disabilities and people who are too old, you know, or people who don't even have a car, who are too poor to be able to afford to even get a job, would, would not be helped by such a policy. That it's this type of workism uh, which actually is more appropriately called classism because when you look at the people who got left out along for a long time not, none of us got a ch- a, ch- a choice in that nobody chooses to be forced out onto society's margins. Nobody chooses that. nobody says when they're you know four or five years old and they're playing with their toys, gee, when I grow up, I want to live in a cardboard box and have to beg for help, beg for my life from, you know, the public at large who would rather I just suffered and died somewhere out of sight and out of mind. Nobody, you know, chooses or plans to have their life be like that. Just like no four or five year old little girl when playing with her little dolls says, gee, when I grow up, I want to be in prostitution. Gee, when I turn 12 or 13, I want to end up trafficked. You know, and I think this all boils back down to classism and how this society has made it acceptable, if not cool, to shit on the least of these. I mean, do you remember, do you guys remember, they used to have this uh, show, I guess it was on TV, it was called Bum Fights, where they would pay, you know, starving Destitute, homeless guys. I don't know some small token amount of money, you know, to clobber the shit out of each other for you know privileged people's entertainment on television. I don't know if you guys remember that, but if you don't, Google bum fights sometime. Yes, yeah. yeah, I remember
3: that. And yeah, I saw. The, so you you want to hear some uh, messed up shit about what our government and people have done? Just look up. MK Ultra and oh yeah, and also uh, just from just a personal experience here, um, I was given a combination of drugs because I was considered uh, crazy as a kid because I didn't conform, I didn't uh, listen, and I was tired of getting the crap beat out of me in class by teachers, physically and other students, while teachers would watch that I would go and uh, hide. I was given um, a dose of mental drugs. And a lethal combination of um, medications including uh, Ritalin, Haldol with Peridol, and Dexedrine, which messes up the heart. I got permanent heart damage because of that. Um, I could drop. That
2: dro- is a crime against humanity.
3: Well, the messed up part about it is, because um, heart problems already run in my family, as it is. But the messed up part about it is with the combination of drugs that they gave me. Um, I could actually drop dead... Any day of my life, just instant death, and there's nothing I can do about it. So I've literally had to face the Reaper and just be like, I'm awake today. So Mm -hmm. the fact that, you know, and all of this was just to make me a more productive part of society. I was too energetic. I was too angry for some people because I didn't like being uh, physically abused (laughs) and class. (laughs) You know, I was right. too rowdy a kid. I didn't uh, focus enough on my schoolwork, even though I was uh, actually high functioning and got it done above all the other students. I was already at um, college level when I got to high school, like university level. So, how dare you?
2: How dare you not want to? How how dare you want to avoid the people who are abusing you? You know how how dare yeah. you want to not get hurt? Right. I mean, if anything, you know, if anybody was insane, it was the people who pr- put who you did on that to you. Of dangerous drugs that have caused you, who have, that didn't cause you to become productive. They've done the opposite. They basically huh? handed you a death sentence without an execution date that's hanging over your head every day like a sword of Damocles. Well, I mean, yeah. isn't that... And then isn't I that- was- Well,
3: I was also thrown into a locked, padded room at this school. It was a place called uh, Desert Hills. Two other students died after I left, and uh, the school was shut down wow! for uh, violence. But, um, yeah, the teachers had accidentally suffocated a student.
2: Oh, I remember (laughs) reading about that in the news. Yeah, I lived it.
3: Um, because they would, what they would do is, if we started to physically fight back from being thrown in this padded room, they would not only take us to this padded room, they would wrap us in a blanket and three teachers would sit on our back. Keep in mind, I was a six-year-old at the time, and, you know, you were forced to stay there until you talked about your issues that you were having. And that was the only reason I got thrown in there, was because I didn't have Uh. to talk talk about.
2: How can adults... Who are supposedly educated in childhood education? How can adults reasonably expect a six-year-old to articulate on the level of a, even a young adult,
4: even a teen?
2: Huh. I mean, seriously.
4: It's it's like it's like we have what? these like little Nazi Germany's right and here. Then, in school? You know, having
2: adults <laughs> like... that outweigh. I mean, you're talking about an adult who outweighs a 6-year-old or a 7-year-old or a 5-year-old. A small child, right? Yeah, I was
3: a really skinny kid, so... Yeah, we're talking about someone that outweighed me by at least over 100 pounds. Yeah. Yeah! Sitting on my back, basically collapsing my lungs, what I would do is, the only reason I didn't suffocate, was I would put my arms in front of me and lock them in an X pattern, so I was basically taking all the weight on my shoulders... And giving my uh, chest enough room to be able to expand. Wow!
4: They—they're like Nazis. Like, yeah. You know? And
3: apparently, they did this to one kid, and the kid died. And well, two kids actually died. One was uh, beaten so badly that uh, she ended up dying in the hospital, and the other one ended up being suffocated. Fuck! What? So, what is
4: this? They're
3: executing
4: children.
3: It's a school that was called Desert Hills in Tucson, Arizona. One of the most fucked up places on earth. And there were students that had to live there. Some of them that Mm -hmm. had been abused or had other um, severe mental issues were put in this place. And this was the hell that they had to live through
4: and being told, we're helping you. Fuckers. Oh my god. You know...
2: And, and the thing that really, really tears my heart out about this, when I was a little girl, it was in the early 70s when I was six years old, and they were just starting to take corporal punishment out of the public school system in Philadelphia where I grew up. And corporal punishment back then consisted of getting a whack on the ass by the principal with a paddle, with a wooden paddle that had holes in it. And I'll never forget this principal, Mr. Borby. I'll never forget when the school bully, who was a lot bigger than me, because he was older than me, he was in the fourth grade and I was in kindergarten, grabbed my winter hat off my head and threw it up and it stuck up on the brick wall on the outside of the school building, on the school in the recess yard. And I was afraid I would get into trouble because I came from a very, very poor family that couldn't just afford to go out and replace that winter hat. And at the same time, I felt a sickening dread with having to tell... You know, my, you know, my parents at home, and then, of course, the teacher the next day, what had happened, because I knew that Kevin Kutz, that was the kid's name that was the bully, was going to get paddled by Mr. Borby. And even though Kevin Kutz was a horrible bully, I didn't want to see him uh, endure the shame and the humiliation on top of the physical pain of getting paddled by Mr. Borby. And there was a big movement back then, taking corporal punishment out of school. And what Angelo is saying here, and Angelo, I'm assuming you're a lot younger than me, that yeah. this has happened, this that this egregious level of of life-threatening physical abuse that really if this were adults doing this to other adults in any other situation, the perpetrators would be arrested for assault and battery. Okay? Hands down. And Oh yeah. Yet and yet this has become acceptable and yet I remember being six years old, and you know the idea of Mister Borby spanking Kevin Cooks with the paddle. I mean, I, I felt I pitied the boy. I felt bad for him. I didn't even want to tell on him because I yeah, didn't this, want to see him punished like yeah, that. This
3: school uh, was around in the early nineties.
4: Okay, like, oh, God. wow, like, like, are there parts of our country that are just so fucked up beyond oh. measure? It's like we
2: not, went, we went from. An era where we almost had a great society, where the poorest anybody could be was that at least they had their basic needs taken care of, and kids weren't <laughs> beaten in school. To the pendulum swinging the other way, where I, this horrible shit happened. blow and other kids he I, knew. I could think die.
4: that they're 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 like. I think Iran before the Islamic revolution was even like a much more civilized, healthy country than the United States was. I think like (laughs) starting to think that, that like maybe, maybe the Iran under the Shah was a more civilized, intelligent country than the United States. And they even came to that country and fucked up. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the messed up thing about it is, you know, these are the dark
3: parts of society no one wants to talk about, and no one, uh, even knows exist. Like, my own mother, when I got sick at that school, wasn't even allowed to come back and see me, because they put me in the room, and I, at the time, I was deathly afraid of spiders. I've since gotten over that phobia, but at the time, I was deathly afraid of spiders, and they'd locked me in that padded room again, no lights, no nothing, uh, just a little light coming out of the window, and there was a big-ass spider in there. Um, they came into the room, and I'm not epileptic, but I was actually, uh, unconscious and shaking. Uh, with the spider crawling on me, they thought it might have bitten me, and they refused to let my mother uh come back to where the classrooms were to see me. So that's the kind, uh just go just to give you an idea of what this place was like. It was more like a prison than a school. And again, kids did live there. Uh, you had to go through the lobby area, which looked like a nice you know business lobby area. You had to, and mm. you go through these double doors that required a teacher actually physically putting in a key and turning the key. On the sides of the door, yeah. not even on the door, on the sides on the wall, to be able to unlock the door just to get in. Yeah, that, it was a maximum
4: security place. That's that's not a that's not a school. That's like a hidden dungeon. That, that yeah, that's per, that's pretty it's, much. it's like they're not teachers, they're dungeon masters. That place is a dungeon and they hide the the torture from the parents of these kids. I mean if and that's from the public. Uh, when that, the that, that is, that is, that is, that's, that when is the shit hit the fan. that's, that's, and they, that's and it, yeah.
2: And they make it acceptable to the public by saying, well, those kids were problem kids. Those kids had behavior issues. Those kids were mentally ill. As if this all somehow makes it acceptable. Our, our They're an acceptable sacrifice.
4: they you know? no, like, yeah. like our, 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 our leadership is mentally ill are are half like most of our 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 teachers are mentally ill like they're sociopathic psychopaths who have a a, a co- who wear costumes that say respect my authority like South Park like Cartman it's like the same thing when Cartman puts on his little badge and goes respect my authority They're 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 the same thing except they're just older. And Jacqueline, they're they're exactly um, like that.
3: Jacqueline, you pretty much just described what the description of Desert Hills was to the public. That was literally uh, what how they described their school, and I'm saying that in air quotes.
2: Yeah, I mean it's and it's sickening, and it's like what does it say for about a society that deems it acceptable? to offer up entire groups of people, including helpless kids, yeah. as human shields to be sacrificed on an altar of cruelty and aggression. And it most- comes to mind that a song from the 1980s comes to mind that, that speaks truth to power about that. Um, and it was a it was a death metal or a heavy metal song by, I think it was, um, I don't know if it was Megadeth or... Um, uh, but it goes like this Great nations built on the bones of the dead with mud and straw and blood and sweat. You know your worth when your enemies praise your architecture of aggression.
3: Architecture of Aggression by uh, Megadeth.
2: Yeah. You know yeah.
0: your worth when your
3: enemies you know, praise your like, architecture of aggression. These, yeah. these,
4: some of these teachers and military people and politicians belong. In a straitjacket and a psychiatric ward, nowhere near near the public, and they're the ones that make decisions uh, for the public and about public policy. People who believe, belong in a straitjacket and a psych ward are the same people who are making decisions for everybody's lives. It, it's, well, it, it's, you it's
3: know like... the messed up part <laughs> about this because I mentioned that you know I was on, I was given without my parents' permission, held all was paradol Today, oh. you actually have. People that are actually in psych ward to give them Haldol because it can, if you are not crazy, it can make you crazy. And if you stop using it suddenly, it can make you crazy. Like suicidal, Um. completely, you know, uh, incoherent levels of crazy. So this drug was given to me without um, permission of my parents. And uh, my mother had taken me off of it when she started noticing I was having severe heart palpitations without. consulting the doctor. She just took me off of it because they wanted to up the dose because it just wasn't having the intended effect. The messed up part about this school is that I was forced to go to it because my mother was threatened by CPS if I didn't um, go to the school. Like the police and CPS had threatened my mother saying you have a problem child because he's not participating in school. He's not doing all that stuff. I'm like, I'm just tired of getting my ass kicked. You know, put the... Stuff in front of me, teach me, that's all fine and dandy, but don't physically harm me, and I'm good. Wow. So, yeah, the basically, she had no choice but to put me in this place, and when she took me out, she was also threatened because the school was getting state and federal funds for every single student that had a disability in there. They were getting above what normal um, children um, are paid for by the state. So that means so that you're getting-
4: just a revenue Yep, them, so they the were bully. getting
3: special incentives to have you there and you were given and they were given special incentives to not really help you with your issues but to make sure that you still had an issue so that they could continue <laughs> collecting that revenue check. You know it's, what I mean? It's
4: it's all about these dark, nasty incentives and the the idiots who just, you know, go towards them like a moth to a flame what, not what understanding I'm, their consequences.
2: What kind of people? What does it say? about a society that felt that that is perfectly okay to do in the name of profit, in the name of enforced conformity. What, you know, this this is why I have such little faith in humanity left. Mm. Because...
5: <laughs> you, you said you the know, magic at words, this, Jacqueline.
4: <laughs> at, at, this, at this point, you know, like, if Canada decided to, like... Take over the United States and like wanted to like invade. I'd like welcome them if, like, one if, like, any of the Scandinavian countries, Australia, New Zealand said, like, okay, like, America, like, you're pretty fucked up, let's like liberate you and invade you. I'd say, like, good idea, like, come and liberate us from these sociopathic motherfuckers who do things like this. You know, like, well, that's the level I am right
3: now. To get to Jacqueline's point. As I've gotten older, my faith in humanity has been restored a little at a time. But it took me years to get there because there was definitely a part of my life where I just thought that um, the majority of humanity were just sick scum. And, you know, I welcomed the um, atom bomb apocalypse.
4: (laughs) Well, Um, I mean...
2: Yeah, I I, I didn't feel quite that strongly about, you know, welcoming an atomic uh, or nuclear apocalypse but well i was pretty damn close it was like well you know if an asteroid came and wiped us the fuck out um it would probably all be for the best And it did. <laughs> if there is any other intelligent life form I, anywhere else any extraterrestrials out in deep space the last place they'd come to be slumming it would be this this <laughs> fucking rock third you, place you, from the sun
4: you know you, you know but i think like andrew yang has acted like this tuning for and he, he like you know you know when like if that movie I Am Legend well, where Will Smith had that radio and said like if there's anybody out there who can like hear me who understands and like you you're 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 getting this tune like please like I'm here and that was Andrew Yang. Ye-
5: <laughs> so uh, sorry to drop in in the middle, but um, I just found out I was moved to Saturday, so <laughs> yeah. I'm Faye. Um, and I don't know if I've met Angelo before.
3: No, I'm usually here on Fridays, but uh, Faye, we've met on uh, Facebook a couple times.
5: Okay, very good. So, please, go on. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm trying to catch up on what's going on.
3: <laughs> oh, I was just telling him about the uh, horrible place I was put in as a child with uh, government incentives to keep me there and the fact that after I left, some students died because of the level of abuse that they experienced.
2: That made national news, by the way. I mean, I remember when that incident went down.
3: Yeah, and that happened, I think, like two months after I left. Yeah. Which seems to be a pattern, though, uh, to places that I go to. I go and secrets get exposed, and then shit happens. (laughs) But um, in that particular case... Like I said, it it taught me a few very important life lessons. One, uh, just because someone's smiling doesn't necessarily mean that they're a good person. I learned to be very weary of people that are overly friendly or smile a little too much because it's like, what are they smiling at? Are are they just genuinely being nice? Or do they have Mm. ulterior motives and that's why they're smiling because they're like, I
2: got you. Well, I, I hate to, you know, play a Godwin here, but if it's to give any indication... Klaus Barbie, who was a top-level Nazi war criminal, also smiled a lot. And he was very kind to animals. He was very gentle and loving towards kittens and cats. But he was responsible for millions of children's deaths. The Butcher of Lyon, Klaus uh, Yep, I know That's the thing
5: about humans. Humans are are never... uh, They're not really good or bad humans. They're both. People are both. It's more like the things that they do. You can be really good in one area of your your life and really bad in another.
3: Yeah. And in some cases, you know, again, these people were trained, had, um, you know, high-level degrees in child psychology and all this other bullshit, and they were, you know, the most destructive, most sadist people I've ever met in my life. But, like, uh, to Ariel's point, um, with Andrew Yang, his humanity-first message, I think, really did, at least with the people it resonated with right away, it retuned um, people to actually find that empathy in themselves that they'd long since lost, and restored just a little bit of faith left in humanity. I think that's why the Yang gang stayed so strong, whereas others have crumbled around us because right
2: um, this is true yeah
3: because and they didn't have that
2: ability anymore every one you know every one of us like even in this group doesn't always see eye to eye we are still friends who would and i know i i speak for myself i would be there in a new york minute you know to have shales back you know if, if the shit came down cuz that's how i roll right but, yeah, And i think yeah. that it,
3: applies for all of us
2: that's but it's like you know The thing is that before I became Yang Gang, I had zero faith in humanity. I mean, we're talking, I was probably somebody who could have out-skepticized Diogenes, if you can imagine that. Diogenes was the skeptic's philosopher, of ancient Greece, who used to roam about Athens with a lantern. You know, uh, and so that when people would ask him why he was walking around in broad daylight with a lantern... He would say, I am looking for just one honest man. I yep. Think, you know, that's Diogenes. And I was so, um, uh, just had lost my last shred of faith in humanity that I could have out skepticized Diogenes before becoming Yangay. Yang. And it's getting, it's slow and it's not a quick, easy road, but I'm starting to get a little bit of that faith back, but it's, when I see shit like these guys are protesting and clamoring to reopen the economy without caring about the costs uh, in terms of real human casualties as well as economics, and then you see on TV uh, people like Dr. Oz, who a lot of people look up to, saying that um, you know it, it would be acceptable or appetizing—I think was the word he used—if only two to only two to three percent of children uh, going back to school ended up uh, infected with the coronavirus that only yeah. 2 to three percent dying that only two to three percent uh, dying from getting infected not the total amount infected but that only two to three percent dying was an acceptable and appetizing I think he said appetizing yeah oh my
4: goodness about what about a did, he want, did he want did he want yeah. to eat the kids or like
2: <laughs> <laughs> yep it sounds I, bad. I don't know, yeah. but I posted about it on my Twitter feed, you know, a couple of days ago, and it just, it, it's like, you know, that, that people are willing to sacrifice oh, uh, other people, including kids, you know, because there's immune-compromised kids, there's diabetic children, there's children who have lupus, there's children who get cancer and, and who are immune-compromised yeah. from cancer yeah. treatment, and, yeah. you know, it, it's yeah. like... This it, this well, idea that it's okay to do that instead of doing the right thing, which is shut everything the fuck down and give everybody two thousand dollars well, a month. Until I, like- I mean,
4: in 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 Nazi Germany, uh, there were the the capos who didn't care uh, to like rat on their you know fellow Jews and yeah. just become part of it. And and I just look at these people who want to reopen as kinda of like the capos of the ruling class. It's like it oh, like like I don't care. I'll like you know, a fellow middle class person, as long as I get mine, I'll join you guys in like helping you like I I, I become like a part of like like I'm I'm good with you fellow ruling class people and you know, I, well, I look at them the same. And they're so dumb. They're thinking they're doing this as an act of resistance, which is the stupidest thing in the world because the people with the money want things to reopen because they don't give a shit about people's health or if they get the virus and die. It's like as long as they have their income coming in. So the protesters are really protesting on the side of the people who have all the capital and all the mansions and all the money. And all-
3: Well, the other thing about that is, and... Uh... I'm going to actually go back to uh, something we, said, we talked about yesterday, which Jacqueline touched on, is, you know, 2% of the population, we like to use these nice, cute, little sterile numbers without really elaborating on just what that realistically means. We are talking, 2% of children of this nation, we are talking about the population of a large state, the entire population of a large state being wiped out.
2: You're talking about one and a half to two million people.
3: Exactly. That is the pop. That's the population in some cases of a de- pretty decent three percent of
4: kids. We're talking about a, a genocide of children in a, in the in these 3% classrooms. Three percent yeah. of the
2: population is equal to everybody in the city uh, in my native hometown of Philadelphia.
3: Exactly, and that that those numbers when you actually take it from oh, but it's just a two. It's you know two is a nice low little number. Yeah, two million Suddenly well,
2: people are
5: not very um, with math and so who um, doesn't translate very quickly in most people's minds to any other numbers um, I this from you know being a math tutor I know that a lot of people are home right now taking care of them, and I know that I get you know um, math children um, at about grade sixth grade and I know their tutors gave me these students because they don't feel comfortable math at fourth grade <laughs> sixth grade and so and we're talking about you know these are the teachers so um so we have uh, a lot of that i got these students because sometimes the teachers are not have not been working well with them and that's why they've already been left behind at fourth and sixth grade so we have actually a population in the in the country that is not able to do the math um ta- and we, here we are in this group we've got math uh, we've got with us Jacqueline and you know <laughs> and we we are people who like to read the news and we uh, take that news and we have to you know scour all the numbers and make it make those numbers make sense. and the transfers for our country which is supposed to be the media and all these people the public officials they're not explaining what the numbers mean you know and I can see that even our congress people who vetted them for knowing math you know, so we really have this of, like, education and just, like, you know, 2% you know, is what is, is sounds like a low number. Uh, a year ago, you know, we were talking about um, an outbreak of measles was classified as three cases in the same place. Just three. And these are not deaths. Just, you know, three <laughs> people in the same an outbreak of measles. And we were terrified of measles. You know, so now we've gotten completely
2: all the way around. I'm going
5: <laughs> to just let you talk about that for a minute.
2: Yeah, um, in Erie County here, where where I live in Erie County, Pennsylvania, about two years ago, we had a, a, a measles epidemic that resulted in all the schools across Erie County having to close down uh, because a lot of uh, the anti-vax people that you know didn't—they not only didn't want to vaccinate their kids, but they didn't care about exposing other people's kids because when you don't vaccinate you actually uh decrease what's known as herd immunity okay so for herd immunity to work you have to have enough people that get vaccinated because there's always going to be a percentage of people who won't be able to take a vaccine for medical reasons because of allergies or uh compromised immune systems or you know they're pregnant or something so the idea behind vaccinations is herd immunity. We wiped out smallpox by vaccinating, okay? Polio, which was a horrible, horrible disease, right? I mean, just go for shits and giggle, Google iron lungs sometime and see images of iron lungs and people who survived the polio epidemic only to have to spend the rest of their life either in wheelchairs, if they were lucky. My uh, grandmother had polio. Or an, or an iron lungs. And I'll tell you, the people who grew up under the shadow of polio, okay, they think the anti-vaxxers are, are today are nuts uh, because they know. They know what a polio epidemic meant. And well, now, hold on a minute. I, I don't want to
5: derail this into a discussion about vaccine because I'm going to disagree with you on some of that. For example herd immunity can be attained just as well in this particular pandemic when 80% of us have gotten immunity. And that's uh, that's more likely to happen sooner than uh, getting a vaccine at this point. And also, we're not sure if there is a vaccine that can work. So,
2: Well, no, I, I get what you're saying. But here's the thing, is that the people who are calling for everybody to just, you know, uh, expose immune-compromised people and, you know, and expose other people. What I'm trying to focus on is the fact that if we had an
5: outbreak of just three people, we were out of something that's almost as infectious as this. This might be even more infectious than measles. And we've got, you know, millions of cases in our county, And and we're talking about, well, we don't care. So that doesn't make sense.
2: Two weeks ago, we had four confirmed cases of COVID in Erie County. Uh, As of today, that's now up to 49. So it went from 4 to 49 in the right. state of 14 days. And that's just and that's, confirmed cases, confirmed only. Yeah,
5: yeah. And, and that's why we, uh, it's like we had a failure to act immediately because, well, you know, for some reason we couldn't translate the fact that we should be freaked out by three cases of measles, but we're not freaked out by three cases of COVID. It just didn't make sense.
3: Well, because a lot of people didn't understand what COVID is. Um, I know, for example... Um, There are some people I've met that are like, oh, it's just like the flu. It's just being overblown. This thing is just uh, exactly like the flu. I'm like, no, there are doctors that were healthy in their 30s that have died from this. This is not a flu. This is something a lot worse and a lot more dangerous.
5: Right. Well, we would have understood that if we just listened to doctors. I mean, (laughs) or to listen to, I just because we had a racist response, honestly, we thought about it like, oh, it's just this thing that's happening way over in China to Chinese people, and so since it's a Chinese, virus, you know, it won't even probably us because we're just so much, <coughs> and we eat so much better, you know, we have better nutrition, yeah. we have better everything, and so it's just, just not really going to happen to us.
4: Just, just but just of course, yeah, celebrity doctors, Swanson. Yeah.
5: Well, yeah. Uh, oh. <laughs> To get to that point, it's kind of
3: funny because the same thing happened in the 1980s and we saw the same kind of, um, not exactly using the term racist, but a similar uh, response to a certain group of people uh, when HIV and AIDS first came out. It was first thought, oh, it's just the LGBTQ community that's got it, you know, right. I'm not one of them, so I don't have to worry. And then uh, when it finally... Exactly.
5: It's tribal, maybe. maybe It's not always based on race, but it's the same exact feeling. That, you yeah. know, this other ha- people that's going to happen to, it went to me. Yeah. We and didn't then get then it until... It, Go and, ahead. And,
3: and then when it finally did cross over from, um, you know, the LGBTQ community to the straight community, that's when it started being taken seriously, but that's also when violence started uh, increasing by 200% against gay people.
5: So Jeremy's doing us a great favor here by putting up the current exact numbers. We have 719,686 coronavirus cases as of what reporting right now, 38,200 deaths, and only 63,936 recovered.
2: Yeah. And of those recovered, how many of them will have permanent disabilities for the rest of their lives, permanent impairments to their lungs or to their entire bodily organ system? Because...
5: this is very serious, and they are not counting things in a way that is clear. And the people who put up these numbers are the ones who should know what they mean and be able to explain to us what they mean, and they are not doing that job of interpretation.
2: No, and they probably won't listen to those of us who, you know, understand math and who haven't grok-failed fourth-grade math. if we try Right.
5: To <laughs> I watched um, a she- little tiny clip of, uh, what is it, uh, John Oliver? <laughs> who does one of those? Uh, you know, the weekly oh, yeah. shows. Him. Yeah, and he and he was uh, he was freaking out on I think uh, Kimmel's show because <laughs> they're now all just you know like us zooming each other and, and uh, trying to broadcast. And um, he was saying, "Yeah, well, you know, when they said there were four cases, like in Jacqueline's case, or they say there are no cases, I can guarantee you there are no no cases anywhere. Just that there's no testing." No
4: cases equals zero tested, so well, you know. I mean, I mean, the cloud and the silver lining is that so many people are going to figure out what it means to like not have resources to not do the things that they were used to doing, before. and even 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 for like the ultra work wealthy, they still can't get together at a cocktail party, you know, next to each other and stuff like this. So I think it'll open up a lot of empathy and a lot of understanding that we have been missing for years and years and years because people so there's some people who never had to go through any kind of hardships like ever and now because of this that they're forced to see things in like a different light.
5: Well, I think actually um I'm not incredibly hopeful for in some of those areas but I do believe yeah. Um, we should look carefully at what the actual uh, public reaction to this is right now and record every single bit of it so we can come back around as analysts, okay, as uh, people who are talking to other people, just remind people, hey, look at this is what we did in response to COVID-19. We did this, we did this, um, we shut down these things. Okay, what does that means going forward, right? It means that we ought to be um, out, essential and who wasn't, right? And we figured out which, um, we figured out what types of uh, things we probably should have been doing all along. Like, if we needed it during this time, then we probably could use it, you know, in the future as a prevent measure against any sort of uh, disastrous, you know, climate change, for example, or uh, some sort of new technology disruption, or, you know, there's a lot of different things that we could be pre- Sort of inoculating ourselves against, right? If it, to use that, <laughs> to use your uh, vaccine, you know, analogy. Uh, but these are things like, you know, make sure that people. Um, what about the water situation, right? Right now, people are getting water in their homes because people are still getting their water turned off for non-payment. Now, how terrible is that? Maybe these are things we should have in place just in case it happens again.
2: And, and this is what I was getting back to earlier before you joined in, Faye, and I don't know if you got to hear it, but when I was saying this is why I don't have hope, you know, why I'm not hopeful, is because I, you know, I've seen just so many, so many situations and so many examples of just how cruel our culture and society is. And, and back when Hurricane Katrina struck, okay, this is what A state lawmaker in Louisiana named Richard Baker said to well-heeled lobbyists after the uh, aftermath of Hurricane Katrina, he said, we finally cleaned up public housing in New Orleans. We couldn't do it, but God did. Former U.S. Congressman Rick Santorum of Pennsylvania said that he felt that those from the poorest of the poor that managed to survive the Category 5 storm should, have, should be facing punishment for not evacuating, even though they lack the means to be able to do so. And he said, and I quote, I mean, you have people who don't heed these warnings and then put people at risk as a result of not heeding those warnings. There may be a need to look at tougher penalties on those who decide to ride it out and understand that there are consequences for not leaving. And yet... You know, it's like they're talking about people who the society have never helped, have shoved down and kept down, and then punished for being poor. I mean, I remember the, 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 the ghastly, false news coverage where um, Fox News was claiming that stranded survivors sitting on the rooftops of their homes while the floodwaters were coming up to the right where their roofs started were saying, claiming that these people were shooting at the rescue helicopters, which was a lie. That did not happen. And it's like when people say, well, how could these lawmakers say these horrible things and that it was okay for these poor people to suffer and die in their own sewage after being neglected at the Superdome with no plan to ever really rescue them? I mean, there was never a plan to help them. Never. Okay? They were led like lambs to the slaughter. You know, the, the powers that be knew there was no plan for them, for those who didn't have the resources to leave.
5: And, and while while it was a national tragedy for all of us, right, um, at the same time, I don't think the people who are see or even the, you know, anybody who's away from that situation has really, um, I don't think they hurt, you know, like nothing is... Like, it's still something that happened way over there. You know, it didn't really affect them even after it happened. So um, the national tragedy, you know, did affect all of us in a psychological way, but it financially didn't hurt anybody that these people are now, you know, have have disappeared.
2: But it's like, it's like what I was saying earlier when I was trying to drive the point home, is that this is a nation full of people that felt okay with electing lawmakers like that. Who said it was? You know, hey, fine. These people died from a category five storm. It's God's way of clearing up, clearing out public housing and getting rid of those pesky pores. We but we are responding. Uh,
5: We're responding this time um, instead of letting homeless people just be out. There are there are um, places that are still doing that, but um, in California, for example, that have that had that homeless crisis still already before the you know virus hit. Um, San Francisco and Los Angeles, they are now bringing the homeless into um, hotel rooms, and hotels are allowing, you know, the government to help by sort of uh, buying them at subsidized prices, or not subsidized, but like reduced prices, and they're, um, you know, getting the homeless into shelter, which, you know, when you look at that, you're like, well, why didn't we do that before? You know, there's no reason why we couldn't have started doing that. We could have, um, you know, gone to the banks and said, hey, we need... Space for these homeless people, and how about you cut the government a deal, you know, and we get it done, right?
3: Because there was no incentive before. Now there is a sense of empathy because there's a sense of shared trauma.
5: I don't think, okay, it is, is that I don't think it's empathy. I mean, some of us are empathetic. I'm not going to say none of us. um, I think what's really happening is that the wealthy are afraid. That you know they will get the disease. That some of them are more educated and they do get it. They're like, okay, if the disease is running rampant in the homeless population, it's coming to us. It's not going to, you know, stay in that ghetto that we've always put them in, and you know, harden the the environment around them so we don't even have to see them. You know,
2: well, it's it's more than that, Faye. It's not just that they're afraid of getting it. It's they're afraid of losing everything because the economy you know, collapses because without people, you don't have a, you don't have markets without people, you don't have an economy. And that if, you know, if, if, if this, um, you know, if, if this is not addressed, you know, uh, it, it will result in them losing, you know, all their luxuries and comforts that they took for granted as something that they were entitled to, you know?
5: Well, I, I think to some extent they don't feel that, that some people are necessary, right? Because the homeless have been dispossessed for so long. They don't really care about them because it was the same situation economically speaking, right? They were already not participating in the economy, and so they they had been written off. Like if if we just didn't have these people, um, the the rich people just wouldn't hurt. They don't care. But um, getting the virus now—that's something different. <laughs> that's uh, that's you know very dangerous. <laughs> Now yeah. I don't think that they quite get the economic problem because the economic problem already was here. We already had the crisis here before the COVID-19.
2: We, we had underlying problems with, with the economy that were about that were that were going to come to a head and result in a major crash or a recession or even a depression.
5: Oh, the, that brings uh, us back to the whole you know Andrew Yang saying that we're seeing the 10 years of economic change in yeah. 10 weeks or whatever that's uh, all of a sudden, yeah, very shocking.
2: Yeah. And it's like, but yet you'd be surprised at how many times I got poo-pooed even back when things were going great for most people. And I said, look, there's not enough jobs to go around for all. There are entire groups that are being discriminated against and not getting chances for jobs. And no matter what they do, they're not getting a chance. So if trying harder was, was really the key, if it's really incumbent upon the individual and not any kind of, societal responsibility, then, you know, let's have an honest discussion. But we could never have an honest discussion in this country about it because we have a culture that is hell-bent on blaming the victim. And it doesn't matter. It could be the victims of poverty. It could be the victims of rape. It could be the victims of child abuse. You know, that we live in a culture, in a society, that is that cruel and disgusting. It is a fetid sepulcher decaying from within.
5: So our, our job right now, um, as uh, people who are trying to pay attention and raise awareness, is to make sure that everybody remembers these policies, right, like the, you know, the stimulus check. Hey, you know, maybe uh, we should be doing this all the time,
2: right? Yeah, uh, this, putting people you're, in rooms. Except yeah. you're leaving the poorest of the poor out, because that's what means testing really does, and a lot of people don't realize this. That's yeah. true, that's yeah. true. And, you know, and I'll give you a prime example. My husband and I are extremely poor. We don't even have enough food or enough money to get food to tide us over until he gets a Social Security check, and we are incurring additional costs above and beyond what we normally incur for our basic survival because of having the quarantine as medically fragile people. <coughs> and... Um, oh.
5: And Jacqueline, I remember you were telling us that um, we didn't have, uh, like when you're trying to order food in, that we have still failings in our infrastructure for that because other people can, you know, take advantage of the, um, like Instacart and things like that, programs where you can have food delivered to you, and you would need that because you don't have a vehicle. Is that correct?
2: Well, not only do I not have a vehicle, but I'm also diabetic and I have Crohn's disease, so. I'm at very high risk. My husband, who is 24 years older than me, is a heart patient. He is very high risk. Okay? So, so you should be having, uh,
5: you know, your groceries delivered to you at this time, but mm-hmm. uh, you can't even do it even if you were to pay your, you know, to use, uh, you know, sort of government subsidies because the uh, got- part can- does not have uh, an ability to accept SNAP.
2: Yeah. That, uh, that's really serious. Instacart also, and I've I've been hammering at these companies and at the lawmakers in my state and other states um, about this because the poorest of the poor, there are 6 million people in this country who have zero income except food stamps, if they're lucky to even get that, and they're not able, if they are in situations like me and my husband who are medically fragile... Who are immune compromised? Who have to quarantine? They are not able to use their food stamps to, um, you know, purchase groceries and have the groceries delivered if they're under quarantine because uh, Instacart and Amazon they do not accept the the EBT cards from any state and. Yeah. This is another failing that, like, should have been taken
5: care of well before uh, COVID-19 hit. It's just, it's always been true. And, uh, you know, now it's becoming a lot more clear that we need to have a a, um, federal, you know, um, push to do this. Because I saw Instacart is trying to get it done in some states, but not others. So some states make it easier, and other states are not easy to do. But it's
2: it's like what I'm trying to say is that because of having to spend, what you know, People think that only the workers who lost jobs, who were at least able to collect an unemployment check and who already got their COVID relief checks, that they're the only ones that are hurting. No, people like us are hurting because I lost Patreon supporters, you know, and I only ever made enough to cover maybe my my phone and internet bill at best, okay? And my husband, his Social Security check didn't go up to uh, be able to bear the extra costs of having to buy food when there's a shortage of food created by the by the hoarders, as well as having to buy through grocery delivery services because we have to be under quarantine, you know, which doesn't accept the food stamps that we might be eligible for, which we're not really eligible for. Or like ten dollars a month over the limit, believe it or not.
3: But well,
2: there's people that are worse off and they're not even able to buy food. And the thing is, is that there's people that are saying, well, the poor who are poor and suffering before COVID, they they didn't really lose anything. Oh, yes, we did. We are now facing having our water, our electric, and our Internet shut off because we're using money out of the Social Security check for Instacart delivery for food for lack of any other option available to us. And, um, you know, that caused our food bill, that along with... Um, having to settle for $9 a dozen organic eggs, which we never bought before because we could never afford it. We always bought the cheapest store brand foods because that's all we could afford, and it was a struggle for us to afford that. But when all the food got wiped out, there you you couldn't find a dozen of eggs anywhere except maybe one or two dozen left of the uh, organic free-range $9 a freaking dozen type of eggs. And that's just one example. So our food costs more than doubled. But yet, you know, for people to say that the disabled and the old who are suffering in poverty didn't lose because of this, they're off their trolley cart. And on top of that, the final slap in the face is that because I had no income and had to file 2019 taxes to get a COVID check, okay, um, I was not offered the option to enter... My uh, uh, direct deposit information on one of those free file online services that's affiliated with the IRS, and by the time they got their payment portal up, it still wasn't accepting my information. And I find out while well, my husband might get his COVID check on the third of May if we get it, if they can remember that he's on Social Security and and they get it to him, but I I was not I'm still unable to enter in that direct deposit info, which means we won't get that COVID check, if we ever get it at all, until possibly September. We're facing having our water, electric, and internet shut off. And as a diabetic, okay, I'm cutting back on food, which means that I'm not really eating enough to be able to take my insulin. And that's, you know, I've been suffering health-wise because of that. And my husband, this
5: is why we need to have the government listening to the people that we're supposedly serving. And we need to be hearing from you, um, not just in a podcast, you know, with people who, who choose to come and listen to us. But we need legislators then, paying attention I, to the I'm people to, that we're
2: supposed to be serving.
5: And <laughs> and there's a no plan for that.
2: And then I'm forced to beg for help from the public only to have shitty people, you know, tell me that I deserve to suffer and fucking die because I'm not a worker.
3: Excuse yeah, me? and that's, that's the worst of it, is there are people with that lack of empathy mentality left. But
4: They're shitty people. Th-
3: but there's something that Ariel has touched upon a couple times here, and that is that the silver lining of this uh, COVID pandemic is that it is going to shine a giant spotlight on the major problems that this country has and the major um, issues that have gone unspoken for decades because it now is so much at the forefront that anything that's coming out is being taken seriously and listened to for the first time
5: well what we need is a system of of people who are being served being connected to the the top you know in a in a in a chain of um, communication so that's what i'm seeing they're they're doing now in yang 2020 slack is they're um, trying to build that within our own groups, right? And once we figure out how to do it, we can maybe t- turn that into a national system if we could, um, you know, create a system where bureaucracies actually listen and the legislators actually listen. Right now, the entire system seems to be we have ResistBot, okay, <laughs> send messages to all of our, like, emails to all of our senators and uh, our representatives. Oh, and man. That's you know, a, and then no, who is even looking at that? Maybe they count that, how many they got. That's a
4: scam. You know why? Because they've left that onto automation. I remember when I was in high school, and like kids were so proud. They said these are the messages that we sent to our local representatives, and then and then they put up all the messages on like a wall. And then I saw that all the messages were were the the responses were all exactly the same. The kids put up those messages that were like responded to with an auto responder and like noticed that like it said like we appreciate <laughs> your concern and we'll get back to you later was the answer to every single different message. And I was like, okay, so then what the hell is the point of that?
5: Well, yeah. So, I mean, we don't know what they're doing with it, but it's the only way we have. So, I'm going to urge everybody to text UBI <laughs> to our resist bot, which is at five zero four zero nine. I don't know. I don't know how they got the number. That five zero four zero nine. Text UBI to it, and yes, an email will be sent on your behalf, right, to your representatives, but. You know, I mean, who is really uh, calibrating all of this? And, you know, it goes to one representative, and then that representative might have somebody in their office say, hey, count them up, you know, tally up. You got 600 from this side. You got 100 from the other side. Probably not even that many people are talking to them, but let's say they did. And then, you know, what? One side wins because (laughs) there's more numbers on this side than the other side? That is not giving anybody a chance to say the things that Jacqueline is saying to us You know, when she's able to talk to us, she's able to tell us, you know, here's some problems that I'm having. Let's fix those problems, right? Instead, we're like, here's one bill. Say yes or no. And then by popular vote, we'll just, you know, maybe I'll represent, you know, the people who say this more than the number of people who say that. And that's just a terrible way of getting things done. And plus, the representative, the legislative process is so long, right? What we need is the bureaucracy itself, um you know just directly talking to us snap the snap program needs to have a way to talk to people and immediately make adjustments
2: either that or they should just scrap the damn program and give everybody a ubi (laughs)
4: <laughs> yes,
5: that that's the most responsive. Just playing cold hard cash in our hands, but that's the right. Number one problem, yeah.
4: If, if, <laughs> if only if only like Thanos could just do a snap to make it happen. <laughs>
5: <laughs> Instead of just getting well, rid of two percent or fifty percent of the people. <laughs> well,
4: right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
2: I I mean you know it's like and the thing is what I've seen on Twitter yesterday and I I, I mentioned this in our in our groups DM. Um, the people like us who are, you know, desperate, I mean, I'm trying to not end up going into acute diabetic distress because of the extra costs of having a quarantine have, have caused for us. And these are there are people on Twitter saying, well, hey, drop your cash app or your Venmo, and we're giving away between $500 and $1,500 to people who retweet this and who dropped their cash app here, only to then find out. That there's a group of people who are forex traders, okay. And what they do is, if they if they notice you, they will DM you and ask you to send to to not only prostrate yourself before them to prove that you're worthy, but that you are to screen cap um, your balance in your checking account. And then if you do that without showing your account your account number, by the way, which I would recommend anybody to not do is don't if if you can screen cap your bank account balance without showing the account number do that but don't ever let the account number be seen anyway only to then have the response be after that oh well you know uh for 50 bucks or 100 bucks I can get you uh 6,000 bucks but I need you to send me the last 100 bucks you got in your account uh and I'm like excuse me what is this? Oh well, uh, the person we're working with she's uh, she is processing people's money through the forex stock market, and I just went, "Oh my god!" First of all, forex is not a stock market; it's the foreign currency trading exchange. Second, um, you know, ninety-nine percent of all traders who've ever tried to trade in forex, okay, have lost, and many have lost more than their original. ...amount that they put on for a trade because unlike with buying an option or a stock, if you have a trade that goes against you with a foreign currency trading pair, okay, and it falls below a certain value, you get what's called a margin call. And these are extremely highly leveraged trades that, yes... You can turn a hundred bucks into six grand. You can also turn that hundred dollar, your last hundred bucks to your name that you're thinking is a great investment into a six thousand dollar loss where the broker then comes after you for any deficiency balance. People do not understand this and how leverage works. And the fact that these people were preying on those of us who didn't yet get our checks and who are really poor and struggling. And who are literally in a life and death situation economically and saying, hey, you know, send us what little bit of pennies you got left in your checking account. And this is how I'm going to get you that money that I promised to send you in your cash app. Right. So
5: I've actually thought about trying to do that. um, But if I were to do that, I would send it to you,
2: Jacqueline. (laughs) No, I would not want you to send it to me. I would say, Faye. Let's you and I set up a time so I can teach you a few things about trading that you need to know before you do anything with your money at all. Because, yeah, you know. A lot of
5: us are just not very good at, uh, at doing that kind of thing. And, and, and once again, I think it comes down to math again. You know, I find that you're probably, uh, you know, exceptionally good at it because of your math skills.
2: It, it, well, it's not just that, it's also the fact that I understand things like finance is its own animal. There's things involved like the velocity of money and, you know, but there's certain things that, you know, people do not understand when it comes to the risks involved. Like, I I trade like a little old lady, okay? The only thing I trade are options, and I never do anything crazy like sell a naked call or tie on a short strangle. I mean, those are two ways you you can get in trouble and have infinite loss. It's like, no. If I only have... 200 bucks or a hundred bucks i'm going to wait for the opportunity to buy an out of the money call on the spy that's below 90 dollars. that's below not nine bucks on the on the thing on the spread and then tie that on and ride the volatility rocket and turn that into uh, two or three hundred bucks but it's like you know People need to understand that it's not just that simple at looking at numbers. You also have to understand there's an entire science behind um, trading patterns in charts. There's something called Fibonacci retracements when they talk about resistance and support levels. This is not, you know, something. So when somebody is sending out these posts like that on Twitter and they only rope people in to play fast and loose, with what could be their last few pennies, okay, uh, and knowing how risky forex trading is, forex is something I would never trade ever because right. I am. So they are taking advantage. They are taking
5: f- advantage of a um, of a lack of understanding, which is so they're taking advantage of people's um, lack of knowledge about things.
2: Not only that, but it's like you know, I you know. It, you, you would say you would send me money. I would say no. I I wouldn't want you to send me money. I would want to say, look, Faye. Tell you what, drop a couple bucks a month in my Patreon and get other people who are interested to do the same. Not a huge amount, just a couple bucks. And anybody who's interested, if I get enough Patreon resp- Patreon response saying, hey, show us about how to trade if you're poor and can't afford to lose, and I will I will teach how to read candlesticks. You know, Shale made made a funny last week because he was half asleep. He was tired. He thought I meant reading actual candles and melting the wax, and it's like, oh my god, yeah, and it's like, no, no, dude, um, I'm talking about reading candlesticks on a candlestick chart, Uh, wicks, and you know, dojis and hammers and morning stars and three marching soldiers and the whole bag of tricks, Uh, cups and handles. An well, but okay, but Jacqueline, when you speak like that, it
5: actually I think pushes a lot of people away from doing it because they think to themselves, "Oh, this sounds incredibly difficult. It sounds yeah. like it's going to take a math understanding, and I don't,
2: I can't even teach my fourth fourth grader." You it, know, it, so it, it, yeah. it's not. It's not that it's difficult. It's that it requires the discipline and the willingness to put in the time to study this material of candlesticks and of chart patterns to understand what a death cross and a golden cross are to understand what looks like a short squeeze or a breakout or but a pull Jacqueline, we're talking about people who can't understand what 2% really but is. I, I'm talking <laughs> about looking at fucking candles and pictures, man. That's not math. That's just being able to recognize a pattern. Okay. And that's not as much that I, I don't know how math that is. But it's being able to recognize the pattern. But it's like people will blindly trust and say, I don't want to take the time to learn all this stuff. I want it easy. Here, take my last hundred bucks, make me six grand. And they don't realize that that's not how it works. And the person who is probably putting out these messages on Twitter, uh, I would I would challenge them and say, hey, before any, you ta- ask anybody to send you their money to do this, for them to help them make some money and to split the profit with you, I'm going to say you produce a copy of your trading logs for the past two years that show me that you are a consistently profitable Forex trader because I know exactly how risky and volatile that market is. And the reason why it's that risky and volatile is because currencies are always fluctuating in price. It's not a well-regulated market. It's OTC, over-the-counter. Um, So, I mean, it's like the wild, wild west. There's a lot of things other than just charts and understanding the math. There's an entire thing of knowing and understanding the market that you're trading in. What instrument are you, what kind of environment does that instrument live in? And And once again, if you
5: let somebody else do it with your money, they don't hurt if it if if it's lost. You do, <laughs> right? They, they exactly they no
3: risk, no-, no reward. And the thing is, with risk, is it's fine if you're risking money that you can afford to lose. It's a totally different animal if you're risking something that you need to survive on the hopes of getting something. At that point, you're just gambling.
2: Yeah, I mean, I when I when I say I feel good if I made two hundred dollars in one week trading like a little grandma, okay? Which I kind of am, okay? Even though I never had kids. But, you know, it's it's the point that I'm consistently not losing. And I'm staying in a market that I feel comfortable with. And that may be different. My risk tolerance may be a lot different than Jeremy's or Shale's or Ariel's or yours or Faye's. And that is something that can't be taught. That is something each trader would have to develop and come to an understanding to on their own after first learning all this other stuff. But people want quick and easy. They want throw it in the fucking microwave. They want people are like it. this um, in general because we don't
5: trust ourselves. We trust other people who have expertise. And so we don't trust, I mean, if you're not good with numbers, you're thinking to yourself, I'm never going to be able to do this. Let me give it to someone who says they can. And we have that same thing going on with philanthropy and with uh, politicians and with teachers, with teaching. Uh, it's just uh, every part of our life now is given over to experts. You know, we don't take care of our own health. We wait and go and ask the doctor how to do it. Well, we, don't I know, I kids, know it. we ask the teacher to do it, you know.
2: When I get my check which will be mailed out on the 24th. Donnie might get his direct deposited on May the 3rd, or maybe I'll mail them both. I have no idea. But I'm taking a portion of it to keep the internet and the electric on so I can make a living. And I'm going to take a small portion of it, put it back in my trading account, because the last 300 bucks that I traded up to 3800 to prevent homelessness by paying my back-due house taxes... That left me with nothing left to work with, but it prevented homelessness for me. So yes, you can make money trading, but you need to have a seed and you need to have an income so that you're not always trading just to buy your next month's worth of groceries or pay your next bill, but that you can eventually that you can get yourself out of poverty. And the thing is, is that I see I go on YouTube like uh, Zach previously said, hey, you know, you should do this uh, channel. On YouTube, and I look, and it's like I see all these other traders, and some of them are scammy as hell. That are are flashing Lamborghini lifestyles, and it's that bling that catches people, and people fall for the bling like a musky being attracted to a bracelet in the water. Okay. Remember,
5: remember one of There's, the questions that I asked you early on, Jacqueline, is um, when you were telling me about your trading. I, I also wondered this question which is, I think, what people wonder in their minds, is that if somebody is making a lot of trading, then isn't someone else losing a lot of money? So this is what people are always thinking.
2: Yes, and that's the truth. There is always, you know, this is why I do think in terms of a zero-sum game, because for every trade that I made a couple hundred bucks on, because I wasn't greedy, I nipped out and didn't ride the thing all the way up, because I'm not greedy, right? I want to make sure that I lock in a small profit because to me that's better than locking in a loss, you know. In other words, I I trade like an old lady, like the old lady that I am, okay, because I'm an old chick. Uh, And I'm an old chick without an income, so I can't afford to lose, right? But every trade that I made that I was able to put towards preventing homelessness because, uh, you know, that $300 gift that I was given to trade with, there was somebody on the other side of that trade that lost and maybe they lost more than what I, than what I profited because there were people that were in that same trade as me that wrote it all the way up uh, by sitting on the trade overnight, which I won't do in a very volatile market because you saw how this market behaved since the collapse, the volatility made it unsafe to sit in any options trade overnight. So but I uh, think that's why a lot of people
5: are really afraid to, take on um, any sort of trading at all and that's why most people are not invested whatsoever in the stock market is um, the less money you have the less you know mm-hmm. the less risk you dare you dare to take and doing something like this without a lot of information without a lot of understanding um, that, you know puts you in that loser category
2: and and let's face it what and that's really unfair for people that are afraid like that to be castigated for that because Their fear is entirely justifiable. It's like when I busted those nitwits who are saying, Yeah, we're going to get, we're going to drop money into people's cash apps if you're hard up and you didn't get your COVID check yet, only to then DM them and say, Well, give me your last few pennies in your checking account and I'm going to turn it into a freaking windfall for you. Most people who do not have any trading background at all or any trading knowledge at all would not know any better. They wouldn't know the difference between a contract for difference, a futures contract, an options contract, or a currency pairs contract, if all four of those things hit them upside the snot locker. They just...
3: (laughs) uh, You know, it's funny, you mentioned something earlier about, you know, people are attracted to the bling and the glitz. Let me let you in on a little behind-the-scenes secret of that, and that's why I will never um, work with anyone that's overly flashy or really showing off their wealth. Yeah. You can rent a Lamborghini yep. or another expensive car for the day for about 2000 bucks. It's yeah. a lot for a regular person, but you can save up and do it. And for people that, you know, when the economy was at least going pretty good, you could set some money aside, even a little bit, and come up with that money over the course of a few months to a year. Then, yep. you film your commercial you have a rented Lambo. It's filmed from very specific angles where you bring in, you know, stuff from home. You got like a nice expensive bookshelf in the corner, or at least it's painted to look nice. You know, <laughs> you take out a wood, wood carving tool, you dress it up a little bit, you know, make it look where it's like probably, you know, something from Ikea that's like 10 bucks that you just spent a little time doing some window dressing on. And you shoot it from specific angles. You shoot it from a garage so you can't see the rest of the house and what kind of shape it's in. And you're like, okay, look at this Lambo. Look at all the stuff I got. I made this money doing this. And you can actually get um, fake money that are props that you can go and, like, stack Uh, in the uh, corner. uh, And it looks real enough where you can sit there and, you know, be throwing money at the camera. And no one's going to go frame by frame and look and say, does this have all the little money that it should have for real money? Because you can get, you know, printed up uh, dollar bills that are used in Hollywood movies. You know, a good, like, two, three bucks.
2: It's not that you can't eventually go from poverty to relative. When I say relative wealth, I'm saying at least firmly middle class.
3: Oh, no, but I'm saying these people, they're they're
2: putting on an illusion. But it's not something that happens like Jiffy Pop. It's, you know, you actually have to study how these things work and trade very carefully as if it was your last dollar you know, and pretend if you're not poor, pretend like fuck that you are, so that you don't do anything foolish, because there's an old saying that goes something like this, a fool and his money soon part ways. Well, I I think think I understand
5: um... what Angelo is saying is that he's saying that when these people are representing themselves to you as being you know, so charitable that they're going to help you, (laughs) and then they they, um, flash at you so think that they know something. What they know is they know how to dress themselves up and, and, and make themselves look like experts. And if yeah, exactly. they were really philanthropic in nature, right. then they could give you that money without taking a $50 initial investment. Exactly. I was asked for
2: 300 I was asked yeah. for 300
5: <laughs> Yeah, and that's the thing. These
3: people don't have the actual money to be able to back it up. The reason why they're having you send your money for the trade with, Because they
2: lost their ass, they lost their shirts on a couple trades. that's why.
3: Exactly, and the thing is, uh, you know, like I said, you see these people that put up these the Lamborghini and all that stuff, it's all window dressing, it's all psychological window dressing that's meant to say, hey, I know what I'm doing, look how successful I am, you can trust me, I've done what you want to do. I right. That's the person you want to go to.
5: <laughs> that was the old way. Now, Nowadays, you can do deep fakes without, you know, just, ba- just green screen that thing.
3: <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's the, well, sometimes you can tell it's a green screen, sometimes you can't. But that's the whole point is that there is, you know, there's this element of showmanship to it where realistically it's like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing, but I'm making my money selling you a course. That tells you I know what I'm doing.
2: Yeah, and these courses often cost anywhere from two to four thousand. I've seen them go as high as ten thousand for a year. Yeah, oh, yeah. So
5: recently, Robert Kiyosaki, right, came out and said this. Um, uh, said like came out and basically said something mean about Andrew Yang. Like you know, Andrew Yang doesn't know how to do anything. He's not a real entrepreneur. He doesn't know how to, you know. But here, here we've got Andrew Yang who's trying to help other people versus <laughs> I'm like and then people are like why is he saying that you know he's a famous person and he uh you know, the, the rich dad poor dad and I was like it's obvious isn't it obvious his whole oh, program is going to go down the tubes because you know his selling all of his books yeah, these assets yeah. that he creates are basically you know mm-hmm. all about it's all about uh the you know trying to spin the current mm-hmm. system these as we are, have it the,
4: these are assholes with assets I mean like you you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> You you know you know they they're all about like but you you know buy this from me and buy that from me and get this from me. No, you don't genuinely want to help people. You want them to buy your shit. If you wanted to help people, you just freaking help people. They're, they're, it's all ego for these people. It's all like oh, and, and Robert
2: and Kiyosaki lost my respect when he made a lot of disparaging statements about not helping the poor or not giving money to the poor because. For one thing, if he had if he really knew anything at all about how to acquire any kind of economic stability, never mind wealth, he would realize one very basic mathematical fact, and that is zero doesn't compound upwards.
5: Well, Kiyosaki is saying that he knows how to make and he he knows how to create an asset and his asset is his money program and so here's his Twitter. From his Twitter feed, he, is his, he says, giving a poor person money keeps them poorer, longer, often forever. Give them knowledge instead, and then hashtag Rich Dad. And it's like, obviously, yeah, you're trying to sell them this knowledge instead of fixing the structural defects of money, you know? Right. So, so nobody would need to have your program anymore because we would all have, you know, a big and, and then to live he would on.
4: lose his asset and not make any. You
5: know <laughs> who
3: but actually... Talks a lot about the Rich Dad Poor Dad book. And uh, Ariel, you're probably familiar with his name. Um, He's a famous uh, entrepreneur named Dan Locke. He said, Yeah, I read the book. It's crap. He was like, This is what you really do. And he put that information out for free on YouTube. He's like, I'm giving you the value right now. If you want to get, uh, you know, I'm giving you free value. If you want more, you know, I offer courses and stuff like that too. But I'm giving you something. For free, that will actually help you. I'm going to put that out first.
2: Do you know how that, many people? Yeah. Do you know how many people who followed uh, Kiyosaki's advice in Rich Dad Poor Dad and got into this short selling uh, houses and flipping properties and all this crazy shit and trying to go around all these conventional ways uh, to get around the conventional ways of having to come up with money to buy properties. Do you know what happened to them in the crash of '08? You want to take.
3: They lost back? their ass. They lost their ass. On lost the their market shirts.
5: That, that, you know, went. Well, you know, once again, if we're playing a zero sum game, somebody lost when you made money, even if you do make money.
2: Yeah. And yeah. that's the thing. That's why I really get upset because, you know, it's like, yes, I want to make it out of poverty, but I'm also very respectful of the fact that every trade, when I have a little bit of tiny, couple hundred bucks of micro accounts worth to trade with, that my game on the other side of that somebody else did not gain. And mm. you know, for me to not be humble and always bear that in mind would make me a shitty person.
4: Right. You, you know, know you exactly know what? I I'm 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 like thinking to myself, let's let's get all these jerks that say like, oh, don't give people anything because all they need is like knowledge and then they can make money. Like if we put them on an island with like nothing but coconuts and then through just just like had tons and tons of book there about wealth creation, but they didn't have access to like internet. They didn't have anything else, and all they had was coconuts. It's like okay, you got all that knowledge there. Just create the wealth, you know. <laughs>
3: oh, yeah. oh they so, find a way to turn coconuts into a currency.
5: <laughs> but right. So I feel like um, Andrew Yang does know how to make assets because he also wrote books, which are now very popular. <laughs> And books are actually you know, real solutions. That um, if we do implement them, we would we would um, you know put Andrew out of business. Also, it would just make everybody happy. So that well, makes me very very excited.
2: There's nothing well, wrong with having a little bit of capitalism and people getting to aspire to having a more comfortable life. There is something wrong though with taking things to extreme and not having it be human centered and saying you know that uh, we can sacrifice entire groups of people and force them to suffer horribly and die in order for us to have our dreams. That is not acceptable, and it, it misses the whole point of why markets and why, you know, society itself even exists in the first place.
3: Right. You, you, know, know, you know, I kind of want to jump in on Faye's point, but go ahead, Jacqueline.
2: Um, it, it, it's like, you know, it, it's okay... To want to make money to, you know, have a comfortable life and be able to pay off your student loans and have a car and a house that's not falling apart. And that's in a neighborhood that's not, you know, a bad neighborhood or overcrowded or loud or polluted or whatever. But what's not okay is to feel entitled to get everything in the world at all costs where you're buying a freaking $13 million palace that I saw on, on Zillow up in Yonkers. Okay, that that rivals the palaces of old world Europe, you know, and, you know, to get that level of wealth at the expense of people dying from abject poverty. I mean, it's like there has to be tempered uh, measures and, and reasonableness. And I don't see, I haven't seen that for since as long as I can remember. I've seen people, instead of people, you know, as they acquire more knowledge about how the system works and that it really is, you know, uh, dysfunctional. Instead of them getting more empathetic, what I see them doing is creating more craptastic excuses for pulling the wings off of flies. They don't stop pulling the wings off of flies (coughs) once they realize that it's cruel. They just contrive more creative excuses to justify doing it. And that's why I got a little terse and upset earlier in the show, because I, I see this, I've seen this in, in the majority of people time and time again. And I feel like when I try to raise this issue, people disregard, you know what I'm saying as if, you know, I, I'm just, you know, some old broad who doesn't know what the fuck she's talking about. And that, you know, because I was never even able to afford a vacation to Disneyland, never mind travel to Europe or anywhere else that I couldn't possibly know what the hell I was talking about when it comes to how I've observed this society in operation. And I'm telling you, it's not pretty. And that's yeah. why, being bringing this back to full circle, that's why I am very skeptical. And I do feel that there are some problems that can't be solved because there's a lot of people that just, you know, will never have an empathy chip. They will never, ever have an empathy chip. They will never um, decide that, oh, gee, even if it's better for them, even if they will enjoy a better life, too, they would rather throw that on the ground just to make sure that some poor, quote-unquote, undeserving poor person that they view as beneath them doesn't get a crumb. And I, you know, it's like, you know, maybe that view is jaded and cynical, but it's not without foundation. It's not without it's not without reason. It's from seeing the data of this playing out over and over again. you know I you know my first introduction to it uh, to just how shitty our society was was when I was you know a little girl and I was in elementary school. I was six years old. My family couldn't afford to buy a cheap plastic flutophone for me to be able to participate in music class. Uh, to learn how to play a musical instrument And it's like at that very early age Is when I learned that this is what being poor means It means something that's for everybody else But no, not for you You're not allowed To learn how to play a musical instrument You're not allowed to have something You're not allowed to uh, have a hobby You're not allowed to have any enjoyment You're not, you know you're. This is your place And, and that
3: is a fucked up way of You know, the world being but fortunately, that's not the way that it will always be, I don't think. Um, I'll touch on a couple things here, because I wanted to get back to Faye's point. Uh, the reason why people, uh, you know, like the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, look down on Andrew Yang is because uh, in their way of looking at things, books aren't the end goal. You use a book to advertise something else that's making you money, so they view him. Amateur, which is you know not true, because Andrew Yang looks at books as some way to gain knowledge. Uh, the other thing, uh, getting back to your point, Jacqueline, is the world. Yes, is a shitty place, and there are people that are you know genuinely heartless that have no concept whatsoever of empathy, and those people are unlikely to change. That is entirely true. There are there is a portion of the population that just cannot feel empathy, and they will never change. But, Considering
2: that our society is number one, not only in COVID cases, oh, but yeah. number oh. one in producing serial killers.
4: <laughs> well, sadly. Um, I, but... I, I mean, but the, these selfish people are so ignorant, they don't understand how their selfishness is actually negatively impacting them too. Because it's like, if you let that person who has a really, really good talent get some resources or get some help... That would help you as well, and you'd have also. But they're such selfish pieces of crap that they don't even, you know, um, 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 want to allow that because of their scarcity mindset. I love
5: that. (laughs) That's exactly what I was thinking about. Circling back to is that the fact that it's not really a zero sum game. So we're living in this artificial scarcity based on the scarcity system that we created. We we've, we've thought about the economy as uh, apportioning rare resources that we don't have enough of to go around. Mm-hmm. But now we live in a situation where we have enough and we just won't apportion it. Right. And so the economy I, doesn't work.
4: <laughs> I always thought, like, the worship of markets was, like, the stupidest thing. I always thought of, like, going to, like, Ralph's and, like, getting out a prayer mat and, like, praying to the market or some shit like that. <laughs> I thought, like, Oh my God. this free There's a South Park episode about that. <laughs> right. Oh, there is, where they get off the prayer mats and actually pray to the <laughs>
5: there is a school of thought that there is no such thing as a person who doesn't worship. It's just that, you know, the people who decided not to worship, um, you know, a, a deity may be worshiping something else in their life. And um, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just that you you choose different things to worship. Maybe worshiping, um, maybe worshiping a, a society that actually works instead of money would be helpful.
3: Uh, interestingly enough, the Pope actually, uh, when he was talking Pro UBI, he said, you know, we get away from the idolatry worship of the dollar.
5: I love that. We talked about the Pope a little bit last week, so I'm going to try not to uh, go right back to it because I just, I, I definitely spent a good podcasting ep- episode worshiping uh, what a wonderful person he's been.
3: <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, uh, I did want to bring up something that I've mentioned on. A- podcasts uh ariel and shale already know about this but i don't think uh you guys have been uh, told about it fay and jacqueline um there's actually a group of us in the yang gang right now organizing to get us to testify before congress in support of a non-means tested genuinely universal basic income as an emergency response to the covid 19 issue laying the groundwork how can I? How can
2: testify? I participate in that and be allowed to have my voice heard and testify? Um, what you would have to do
3: is, well, I'm the one running it, so uh, it is on Slack. I don't know if
5: Angela, you dropped out for a minute. I can't hear you, but I think, are you Angelo Mendoza? Yes. Okay, so I do have you as a Facebook friend, and I will. Um, I, I have heard, heard you on Slack, also, I believe.
3: Yes, uh, that's what I was telling
4: Jacqueline. Um, And Uh, I saw you with Russell.
3: Oh, yeah. The whole thing is uh, being organized right now um, on Slack. Well, we're hoping to organize both on and off Slack. So I believe, Jacqueline, you're on my Facebook. Shoot me a message, and uh, I can get you up to speed on that. And I can also send you um, invites to our Zoom meetings, which we have every Tuesday at um, 1 o'clock Arizona time, which I believe is 3 o'clock your time.
5: Okay. So I believe that uh, Jacqueline's voice is one of the most important ones in our, um, in our group because, uh, in, ter- in terms of Yang, Yang because, sure. right? Um, the first time I read um, her writing uh, was the one, it was the article America's Dad Has a Problem, and I think it's still available on Medium. And if you searched for that, um, you will read about how um, you will read from a feminist. Perspective: someone who has lived in systemic po- poverty and probably generational. Is that true, Jacqueline? Yes,
2: generational poverty as well as poverty due to systemic discrimination. Uh, right. Being a member of a non-privileged group. You, know? uh, you,
5: you can hear about it and you can see how well-spoken she is and how passionate she is about um, things that are happening even up to this minute. But, you know, she's had a lifetime of uh, experiences to share with people. Um, but I know to share it. I mean, you can share it um, to small groups at a time. Hopefully it's been making an impact, but, you know.
2: And often, often when I do try to share it, I get talked down or talked over or talk, you know, lectured down to or toned, you know, language policed or whatever, and it's like, you know what? That's why I'm a cranky old fart today. <laughs> <laughs> like, but, you know, we <laughs> love and you then that way. Like, <laughs> Until, yeah. you know, it's like if I wanted bullshit, I'd raise cows at least I could slaughter them and get some <laughs> steak out of the deal with all the fucking aggravation. You and know, yeah, so I, I noticed most of the kids are coming
5: for you know, masculine and like, uh, you know, like middle class background. And and we're looking, for, we need people who can, um, from poverty the and not just you know, be the the person who's smarter than everybody and knows how to represent, actually like, be the person. You know, just be the person and yourself. Yeah, yeah,
4: definitely. We and should definitely make a priority for Jacqueline to testify because she, she had to bear the brunt of this stuff, like the hardest. Oh, I mean, the, that'll just be the ultimate coup d'etat to uh, testify for her.
3: Well, the main thing is, Jacqueline, being able to fit what you have to say into a very tight allotted time slot can you write up a list of like specific topics you want to hit on so this way you can um get it out in a concise way and still basically tell the government you know you're fucking up get the shit cut the bullshit cut the red tape and cut some checks
2: um i can write it up but it will be like a doctoral dissertation so you might have to help (laughs) me.
3: (laughs) well i'm good at uh writing if you if you want to help
2: me whittle it down, because I'm a poor person, and I don't know how to speak privileges very well.
4: I well do, that's why well, I, I, I want to participate, is because warrior, I am warrior. good at
5: speaking that privileges, but I have been to um, hard times at this point, so I'm finding the, the um, details I, that will speak to the people.
2: If you're willing <laughs> well, to look at what I have to write, and if you want to collaborate and say, hey... This is how you can rework this sentence so that we can chop 10 words out of it so everybody doesn't need to bring a freaking thesaurus to the damn testimony. <laughs> That's <laughs> well, true. <laughs> yeah, well, because one, uh, of, one of the things that I, I, I have a, an issue with, and it's because of being put down and disregarded my whole life, is that I feel that I have to load everybody up with so much proof because when you're poor, you're never believed. When you're poor, you're dis- you're not only... You're not only, uh, you know, not welcomed and not wanted. Uh, you're you're disbelieved, and because uh, so, I always felt the extra pressure that I have to prove myself by going the third mile, by like deluging. We're talking rogue wave, not even a tsunami. We're talking rogue wave of data, of proof, of incidents, of examples, and you know all this other stuff. And it's it's because. Oh, I, I know of a good weird. way
5: to solve that. So, there's the speaking portion, which will obviously have to be limited in scope, but there should also be a written portion, and we should just go ahead and let Jacqueline dump it all in that uh, that written. You oh,
2: know, put sure. all that prison. <laughs> in. And you hundred, know, guys, I do I not bring a stick to a gunfight when I write something. I pull sore salutation. <laughs> so... <coughs> Excuse me? Well, I, <laughs> I pull... I will say that...
3: I, the negative part about that is... is I was
2: trying to finish my set. <coughs> sorry. If you could bear with me. <coughs> sure. <coughs> is that I pull source citations that are credible out like it's, like it's going out of style. I mean, like water at a marathon. It's like you can't refute it. It's bulletproof. You know what nice. I'm saying?
3: Oh, yeah. The because when thing... you're
2: poor, people don't believe you or they don't want to listen to you. Or they don't want to even, you know, they don't even want to consider that you have a right and a need to exist, you know?
3: <laughs> yeah, but what I was trying to say is, when you do a written portion, though, it's never actually read by the decision makers. It's handed off to an aide who reads it and then gives them a summary of what it says anyway. So that's the really messed up part about that aspect of it, and it's a hidden part that most people don't realize about our government.
2: I'll, I'll write it up. And if you want, if you can help me with it, um, so I can dumb it down for people as if they're two, I'm already fighting it. <laughs> Imagine right. you're talking to Zephyr.
4: <laughs> yeah. You I'm, I'm
2: already, I'm already like explaining shit to people as if they're four. And it's like, right. I don't know how to, to
4: do it. What? To-
2: for people who don't know,
4: Zephyr right. is my six-year-old. Where once, oh. once like Andrew Yang. Like, if he gets to the presidency in 2024, like, uh, every, like, like, th- there should, like, yeah, stuff that Jacqueline writes should be mandatory in, like, all schools, all things. And, like, man, that would undo so much of. If- such stupid like illusions like it should it should just be like required reading and stuff like that and you know we we just live in a in a more understanding world for it really
5: i would have to say that in a written format i don't think we should limit jacqueline because what she writes is very compelling and she puts in all the correct information and um and if a staffer is willing to read it a staffer reads that thing they're going to be convinced and it's going to be very um i think uh, that's something that's we should allow jacqueline to to make a decision on what oh absolutely written. yeah
2: yeah as far as personally testifying verbally i can keep that short and to the quick and explain to them how uh if it wasn't for a few friends of mine in yang gang were only slightly less poor than me, ponying up with some money, I'd be dead right now because I wouldn't have had food in order to be able to take my insulin.
3: And that is powerful. That is exactly Extremely the kind powerful. of... ...that, you know, the government and the world needs to hear because it's not just... The intention of testifying before Congress isn't just our... That's just one aspect of it. The area that really matters is when it comes to the public perception, which is what's really the driving force behind this.
2: I'm somebody who did not choose to be forced out in a society's margins and kept poor and now forced to age out in poverty with problems with aging and health problems that I didn't have when I was 25 and homeless.
3: That's exactly why we need your story to be in Congress, because. When the, because the public doesn't hear these types of stories, these kind of things don't typically end up on the news. When we testify before Congress, this will be on the news. People will hear it. Wonderful. So it's important to make sure that you know society hears an ugly truth about what's really going on and gets you know finally gets the message through their head that this isn't about people going back to work or not. This is about people's survival, actual survival.
5: And we also need like, people to understand that poor people are not universally, uh, you know, dumb and just, you know, um, dumb yeah, like we uh, irresponsible. Like all these value judgments that people put on poor people is just simply not true. There are people like everyone else, the smart people there, there are people who are very responsible there, and there's very different kinds of people, and we're all just human. You know, there's the same same subset of humans that are poor. As are the people wealthy. You know, wealthy and, people and, are not self-made, yep. right?
4: So. And it can be, and it could, and it could be a person just like you, because like J- Jacqueline has has put more hard work and more intellectual labor in, like, trying to get out of poverty. That so many people who are just rich and middle class who just take it for granted. <laughs> That's well, I listened.
5: Sure. I listened last night to your um, recording with Mind Wave Podcast. And um, I really enjoyed it. And I, I do also have that same feeling of I've tried to do thing that I was asked to do um, in order to succeed in life as a young person. And here I am telling you it did not work the way that it was supposed to work. And the teachers and all the parents and society is telling us all the wrong things. And that's why we have a whole group of uh, millennials growing up uh, disillusioned with us.
3: Exactly. And, you know, the whole Thing with testifying before Congress is to depoliticize it because right now it's being used like a political football. It is being used as a tool to say, "Oh, well, my party is better than that party," or "We should do this or that." We need to say both parties need to get it through their head: this isn't a political issue; it's a human issue, and we're not letting you play with people's lives for political talking. And if that's what you're, you know, going for, then I think it's time that we change you out with someone that actually has a brain.
5: Yes, and we don't care if you're gonna be a Democrat or a Libertarian or a Republican. or a Republican. Uh gang Gang together. We are a hundred percent. What is your policy? If you if you have the correct policy, we're going with you. <laughs>
2: That's right. That's right. That's why I will support somebody like Dan from Montana and I will also support somebody like um Shaheed But Butter. Or B- Batar, or I—I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Yeah. he's going up against Nancy Pelosi out there in California. I, you know, and he's very progressive. I support him too. I mean, you know, it, it's these are people that actually, irrespective of what label, what team label, they're required to put on their jacket, so to speak, that they understand that the policies have to boil down to, you know, the the economy and and. And the markets have the economy has to serve this has to serve society all members of it not just the privileged few but everyone you know so because start- you might be you might be doing great today but yeah. you know something could happen when you're 40 or 50 years old and you're not able to economically recover because you know unless you're rich the only way people can recover is if they get hired at a middle class job but yet who's likely to hire you. When you're over age forty or fifty, or if you're disabled from health problems, it's
4: it's really well, stupid. It's like it's, you you need to have something before we give you the chance to get it. They put you in a chicken and egg situation. Yeah, it's well, similar that situation to starting too. a business.
5: Yeah,
3: you know uh, when I tried to start to get financing to start my business, um, I was told, "Well, uh, we'll be happy to help you as soon as you start posting a." Uh, Profits of at least 50000 a month. I'm like, well, if I had that kind of money, what the fuck do I need you for?
2: Exactly. Right. It's like I tried to get You're help from idiot. to pay my $1,900 back due electric bill. They said, well, you have to get all of that paid off first before you can qualify for subsidized reduced utility help from us as a poor couple, as a poor older couple, meaning me and my husband. And I said, well, if I had 1900 bucks to my name, you know, I wouldn't be poor enough to need your help. I, I would not i would be able to turn that over Retarded. In, you know in two weeks time to bring to create a little bit of a profit to create a, a small amount of seed to trade with to make money make a living trading and then pay just pay the freaking 1900 bucks and then be able to pay my normal electric bill without subsidized rates every freaking month if i had a leftover amount of the thousand bucks seed money to trade with Well, the
5: hidden part of that uh, economy situation as far as uh, trying to get a business loan is that, you know, you're not Donald Trump who already has money. (laughs) So if you you have money, then you can create more money and just borrow it into existence. And if you even go into bankruptcy, no problem, you know, because we've seen that you've had money before so you can have money again.
4: (laughs) I mean, if you ever play Grand Theft Auto, it's basically just a cheat code. It's like, okay, up, up, down, left, B, A, uh, okay, another $5,000, up, up, left, down, B, A, you know, money. And it's like, oh, like, you don't have these cheat codes and we're not going to give them to you because we only share the cheat codes with ourselves and not to other people who already don't have it. But we pretend that we, we have the cheat codes, but this is a meritocracy. But we're using these cheat codes, but it's still a meritocracy. It's not a meritocracy (laughs) if you play a video game and you put in the infinite health, infinite ammo uh, uh, cheats on and you say, I won. It's like, yeah, that's because you put the infinite health, infinite ammo cheat. You win because, you know, you're better at this game.
5: Well, the cheat code, um, the cheat code is a is a is something that we can't talk about because it's racism. (laughs) You know, nobody tells you at the bank. That the reason we lend you the money is just because we're the brokers of trust. We tell the society who should be trusted and who shouldn't. And so if you're already poor or if you're black or if you're Mexican or, you know, you might not be trustworthy. But if you're already wealthy and white, then of course you're trusted. We trust you.
2: Or you forgot to add female, too, because women are still, you know, discriminated against and have suffered. Oh, it's
5: true. It's um, true. Women are even more than anybody else, uh, any of these other...
2: All women all women are born with a bullseye on our backs. But the less white you are and the less economically um, well-off you are, the bigger that bullseye. You don't see upper-middle-class white dudes from Silicon Valley getting trafficked into forced prostitution at age 12 and 13. There's a reason for that.
5: Right, if you're poor, then you get the higher interest rate.
2: <laughs> but, if you're, if you're <laughs> poor, but if you're poor and female, okay, and the, if you're poor, female, and non-white, you know, that that is what this society deems as acceptable. That they would rather have poor women and girls forced into human trafficking than have any kind of a safety net or, God forbid, a social floor, which is better than a safety net... Because floors, if you know how to build them correctly, don't have holes.
5: This discussion is absolutely amazing, but uh, I
2: think we need to probably start
5: wrapping it up. Should we start um, saying one last thing very quickly?
0: Yeah, we've gone about 45 minutes. Can you hear me? Yeah, okay. Uh, We've gone about 45 minutes over, which is fine, but I have to go see what's going on in the Twitter DM. Because I haven't gotten our new weekly topics from Caroline yet this week. And we're supposed to have the big roundtable with everyone on the whole show in like 15 minutes. So, Oh,
5: okay. Oh, well, we, goodness better, goodness. we better uh, hang up here. Yeah. I'm going mean, to just, just say thank you, I don't know.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, we could come back in a little bit. But I have to take care okay. of that.
5: Okay. So I would like to say goodbye. My name is Faye. And um, you can find me at Palestine Math on Twitter.
4: Okay, I'm Ariel, and you can find me in Ariel's underscore Armada. And you can also find me on YouTube as Revolutionary Thinking. My name uh, is Angelo. You can find me at Hellion Hellfire on
2: Twitter. I'm Jacqueline, and you can find me at Jacqueline Homan on Twitter.
1: This is Jeremy, and you can follow me on Twitter at Jeremy One.
0: And on Twitter, I am S H A E L R I L E Y. Thank you so much for spending time with us for listening. Thank you for speaking, you guys. This was a great conversation. Learned a lot. I was here listening. Um, I'm glad everyone could come, and I'm glad we got a different mix of people who are interacting for the first time. Like uh, I guess Jacqueline and Angelo hadn't been together on this program, or uh, or Jer- or um, Faye and Angelo, or maybe both of you. I guess, I guess neither of you had seen Angela before so i'm really glad that that jacqueline can be involved with the um initiative to go talk to congress because that will that will be good thank you yeah thank you for sure all right i'm gonna tell craig to go and then i'm gonna figure out what's happening and probably come back in a couple minutes